Use your shinning. <laughs> Grease me up, woman. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Hello, everyone. And today we're going to continue our March Madness. Let the games begin! This is madness. It's madness, I tell you, for the love of God! Battle Royale! The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh... You're excited! Feel these nipples! March Madness. Which, uh, as of this recording, has started today. The real NCAA tournament March Madness. That's right. We've been balls deep in some March Madness yeah, for a while. We started when it was February That's madness. right. Before it was popular. <laughs> yeah. No, the, uh, the, the, uh, the real question is, will we finish ours before they finish theirs? Not a chance. Not a chance <laughs> in hell. <laughs> I will uh, say they will go faster, though, once we're done. Oh, yeah, totally. So there's a chance. So you yeah, Telling me there's a chance. No, nah, there's no chance. There's no chance. Um, Before the Stanley Cup is is handed over, we'll probably that's finish. in June. Yeah. yeah, we better fucking beat that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so on the last episode, we got done with the one and sixteen, and we got done with the two and fifteen. Uh, Schindler's List and Pulp Fiction moved on. So we are now going to start with the three and fourteen, and we start off with a an extremely tough one. Yep. It is 1979's Alien versus 1980's The Shining. Mm -hmm. Those are my two favorite horror films. Right? But but Barrett made this, and he did this one on purpose. He did this on purpose. (laughs) The fuck is wrong with you? I did not, because those are my two favorite horror movies, too. What the hell? All right. Well, Jesus. So the Alien is the three seed, and uh, it is... um, I mean, what else can you say about Alien that hasn't been said... This is perfectly meshes horror and sci-fi all together, and it's got some of the scariest scenes we've ever seen in movies. It's got some of the most suspenseful stuff we've ever seen. Great cast: John Hurt, Sigourney Weaver, Sigourney Weaver, like huge star after this. Yeah, yeah. Was this her first big movie? Yeah, even though she had been in like she had a really small part in, I believe, Annie Hall. Like a brief, maybe a brief something in Annie Hall. Sigourney Weaver was Alvy's date outside theater in Annie Hall. There you go. There you go. That's a savant mind. That's right. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, um, she had she'd done some small stuff, and this was a a huge break, and she she became a tremendous star, and I think now she's like legend. Basically, she's definitely an icon. Yeah, Uh, it's getting to the point now where you know she's getting those and sigourney weaver credits you know (laughs) like the cabin in the woods type of things and like you know like it's she's coming in as a welcome presence like this movie needs to get pushed up let's put sigourney weaver in it or the voice seven years old at the thing in finding dory oh that's right that's right self that's another thing um but yeah uh i think maybe possibly i've discussed this before i saw alien backwards basically uh starting with alien three uh i saw that in the theater then i went to aliens and then i saw alien and uh and uh 
and alien was it's a weird way to see it because aliens is such a like a big hardcore action movie and everything this one nice and quiet and just like takes its time all that but it's so you are just grit you know you're just it's gripping you just attention is always being held in this whole thing it's just uh it you don't see sci-fi movies like this Mm -mm. and gives us one of the most iconic you know female action badass heroes of all time yep up there with linda hamilton and um xena warrior princess <laughs> yeah i mean you could see buffy the vampire slayer in there Gina carano you can see <laughs> in A-Wire. you can you can see you can see all the stuff that joss whedon and jj abrams would later put in there sure. in their work because they're very you know female centric when it came to the projects that they they would uh, introduce and everything Obviously, James Cameron, who was already doing, I mean, she, he, you know, he had Linda Hamilton in the first Terminator, and then he's able to continue along with Sigourney Weaver's character in Aliens. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's so tense. And that's the mm-hmm. thing. It's just tense. And I, I wish, this is one of those movies I wish I could see again for the first time. Yeah. Because there's so many like little surprises in it and everything. I think. I had, you know, I had seen Spaceballs before I saw Alien. Yeah. So, jeez. Oh, <laughs> so, like, the the chest bursting scene was an iconic thing that I already knew about. Right. And especially since in Spaceballs, it's still it's John Hurt yeah. doing that <laughs> that parody scene. Not again. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> um. So, uh. So you know, the chest bursting was not a surprise to me. The 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 Ian Holm being a replicant or whatever the fuck he is he's not a replicant (laughs) (laughs) mixing up our ridley scott you are you're getting your ridley and your ridley yeah um but uh you know he's he's one of the he's the um, android android that's what i'm looking for yep there's the nerd lingo i was looking for (laughs) well and that's kind of a hallmark it becomes a hallmark of the alien movies Mm -hmm. uh there's almost always an android Mm -hmm. in fact i think you can go on record and say there is but they're almost it's almost always a surprise who the android is at least to the characters in the film with the exception of prometheus which we know who the android is there right out the gate um but this movie is freaky Mm -hmm. it's freaky like okay the shining is freaky for completely different reasons Mm -hmm. it's psychological horror this is monster alien horror and Despite the fact that I believe in really neither of these things, or at least them impacting my life ever, I think just from pure fright, I think Alien scares me more than The Shining. Yeah. And there's a lot of different things going on in both movies, and we'll get into The Shining here in a minute, but the first shot of the alien with its mouth open, ready to kill, is burned into my brain yeah and will always be there i had nightmares about this fucking thing yeah i didn't ever have nightmares about the shining that's uh hr geiger right that did the the yeah, effects yeah so. or giger i've heard it both ways oh, Ge- really? giger geiger <laughs> no he that's another thing that that's become almost a cliche we were talking last week about um a movie that was that was a cliche uh but the aliens now we've seen them you know in all different facets from every angle now but the way that they play with shadows and alien, and the way that they keep it hidden, it's almost Jaws like, you know, to oh, yeah. where you're not, the fear comes from the unknown and not from just the effects. And I love that stuff. Well, and also because it's an alien, they can do a lot of freaky shit. Like it starts as a sack, then yeah. it becomes a, a face hugger. And it grows super fucking fast. Yeah. And uh, that's part of what I think adds to the freakiness. I'll tell you what adds to the freakiness is Jerry Goldsmith's score. Yeah. Mm, yep. I was listening to that the other day, uh, and it's so unsettling. 
Like it, there's just a bunch of like scratches and like yeah, and it's all discordant. Like anytime that the the piano or the the strings come in, it's all this weird chord thing, and it sets you up to be unsettled from the opening credits. Basically, when you see the shot of the of the the ship coming in, it's awesome. Yeah, it's good shit. Yeah, um, and, I mean, it, and it it really sort of it start starts getting you really riveted at the point where you know Sigourney Weaver like. Uh, basically punishes Harry Dean Stanton, tells him to go look for the cat and whatever, and like yeah. he goes, he goes over to some room and he's by himself. This is the way they get them separated in this, you know. Instead of like let's split up or whatever, <laughs> it's like uh, I hate you. Go find the cat. Um, but uh, he he goes in there and he's just, it's just like there's the sense of dread has never been yeah. more pronounced than when he's like you know going through all that thing. I also love the thing with Tom Skerritt and everything mm-hmm. going through and like trying to find it. And um, it's just uh, it, it's an ingenious thing. We I mean, I think it's kind of uh, it might be something we see a lot of now. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. But Tom Skerritt going through and the dots basically oh, yeah. are showing yeah. you where it is. And it's like. But he's right in front of me. Where? Why can't he? He's oh, there's an above and a below. Yeah. You know, I didn't know that. And then, of course, he goes down, and the alien's like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> you know? surprise, <laughs> motherfucker! Yeah, exactly. Um, well, uh, I guess now, like the the genie is out of the bottle after Aliens. Really, after Aliens, and that's why you see Prometheus and this Covenant looks ridiculous to me. I'm sure it? it's probably going to be. It's essentially like couples retreat, Aliens. <laughs> They say in the trailer, they're like, oh, this is an excursion for couples. I hope it's half couples retreat because John Favreau was acting his ass off in that movie. Let me tell you. He certainly was. So, yeah, uh, this is a great movie for for Ridley Scott. Really sort of launched his career. And he's, I mean, he's been working ever since. Yep. This motherfucker comes out with a movie almost every year, sometimes <laughs> two. And the guy's like nearly 80 years old. Yeah. Um, and he's coming out with this new alien that has the couples retreat, like exactly. you said. Who knows, you know? Yeah. Um, but then it goes up against The Shining, Stanley Kubrick's mm-hmm. uh, foray into horror movies. And uh, and it's the guy that, you, if you've known his work to this point, it feels like he should have made a horror movie before that. 2001 is almost yeah. a horror movie. Yeah. Um, but... But here he takes uh, Stephen King. We get Stephen King back in this mm-hmm. conversation. He takes a Stephen King book and uh, and he makes it somewhat his own thing. Although Very much, I would say. I've read the book as I've read the book for mm-hmm. The Shining as well, and he's changed some things. I don't know why he's why Stephen King is so pissed about this movie. I think I know. It's because it takes. I think it was centered around Jack Nicholson's performance because mm-hmm. he was so. I think what King was trying to do in the book was trying to almost make him a protagonist, a deeply flawed protagonist. Yeah. And Nicholson just took it and ran with it into crazy town, (laughs) which works so much better cinematically, I think. And I've, and it's, it's often been argued. And I believe we've talked about this before that Jack Nicholson looks crazy from the very beginning of Mm -hmm. the movie. Like, you know, he learned it on the television. (laughs) Um, but, uh, this is a great little descent into madness though, isn't yep. it? It's it's terrifying because it's exactly because he's the he's the strong father figure who has hurt his kid before. Mm-hmm. Um 
and he is going then in this, you know, spiral of like, you know, he's not getting a drink. He's not getting a, you know, he's not getting to have any fun or anything like that. And he's got, you know, basically his weak willed wife and like, you know, and, uh, and, uh, the, and a little kid, uh, with him. And like he could, I mean, he could easily end those people like immediately. That's what's so terrifying about it. They don't have any escape. Right. Maybe weak willed is a little bit too much. I don't know. You think, I mean, she seems, she's not given any. Much to work with. Well, he kind of famously beat up on her verbally or whatever to kind of get this kind of performance out of her. So I I think that's fair. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a performance where, yeah, she looks like she's just she. Yeah. She's more frightened of Kubrick than she is. Oh, my God. The the things that he did to Shelley Duvall. I mean, that was the the big story is that when she walks in on Jack Torrance and, you know, he threatens or she threatens him with a bat and he's walking up the stairs and everything. They famously reshot that like 99 times or yeah. something like that. And uh, what was it? He, they uh, told the crew to ignore her, the yep. cast and crew to ignore. Yeah. She, like, she, she went through uh, a, a ton of, I guess what we would call abuse. Yeah. Um, and like there, you can watch the, cause uh, I believe her, his daughter, yeah, it's his daughter did the behind the scenes of The Shining. If you mm-hmm. if you ever get the Blu-ray, it usually comes with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it shows, like, the beginning of it's great of that documentary and everything. It shows Jack Nicholson just before he's about to do his bathroom scene. And he's just, he's, like, sitting there, he's, like, in the bed or whatever. And he's, like, and he's getting him ready for the scene and everything. And then he just, you see him walking down the hall. And he's, like, oh, oh. And he's just getting into that mode of, Jesus. like, I'm going to have to be the scary dude and everything. But also, there's a point where it's like, you know, Nicholson, like a year or two after the fact, and he's like, he's like, I really liked working with Stanley Kubrick. I can't say the same thing for Shelley. And Shelley, <laughs> and Shelley, Shelley, I said that wrong. He's talking about Shelley's experience with <laughs> Kubrick because then they start showing all these scenes with Kubrick going, you know what, Shelley, I don't, I don't want to hear you right now. You know, it's like, he, and when you're doing this scene, you're coming off phony. I don't know what it is. It's like, he's just, wow. he is, he's, he's going on. I mean, yeah, he's trying to achieve a certain thing and it worked, but it's also, you know, it's. It's on the line of it's it's over the line. Well, yeah. let me tell you this, Larry. I think a lot of our best directors have have pushed the boundaries in this regard, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, Hitchcock is famous for going over lines. I think even further than this. But yep. then you come a little forward to the future, and this is not as bad. But the whole thing Spielberg did on Saving Private Ryan, where he specifically kept Matt Damon out of the rigorous boot camp so yeah. that everybody would sort of resent him and it, he felt like it came through on film yep and so there's a certain amount of psychological work that a director can do that i think is okay and acceptable and we just have to figure out when they're crossing the line like this yeah or maybe when david o russell screams at <laughs> jennifer lawrence <laughs> yeah. or something yeah. yeah uh beyond that though what we have here is uh, a movie that um it is at times terrifying and weird um, there's a lot of, you know, I mean, there's just great sound effects in this, the, the classic scene with Danny going on his big wheel, yep. yeah. going through the, the, the house and everything and running into the twins and all that. It, it, it wouldn't be the same if it wasn't just deadly silent, except for the, the way the big wheel goes over the hardwood, mm, then yeah. the carpet and so on and so forth. Um, 
and and then yeah there's the the scene with you know the room that they go into Mm -hmm. and all that the 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 very beautiful lady that walks out and then turns into a horrible disgusting (laughs) creature i love jack nicholson's face when he sees the girl getting out of the tub yeah because he's got this like sourpuss thing as he's walking up and then he breaks into this big grin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah. Does not question the fact that there is a woman sitting here. Right. The There's a lot he doesn't question. <laughs> right. right. Like he just sort of takes it all in stride for much yeah. of this movie. Yeah. And and then I, and I also just imagine too if you're if you're the Shelley Duvall character and like you have your you thought that your husband's writing this book this whole time. And all that he's written is yeah. all work and no play make Jack a dull boy yeah. in like paragraphs yeah. and like and like it looks like a real book. Only that's all it says. Also and responsible for one of the best Simpsons parodies yes, ever. Yes, all work is. and no the play shinning. make Homer something something. I go crazy. Don't, Don't mind, mind if I do. <laughs> and then you have uh, groundskeeper Willie at the end when they call it the shine and he's like, Shh, you want to get sued? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the shinning. Yeah. The shinning. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I. I I think also uh, Stephen King was a little upset at the ending mm-hmm. too. Um, they go through a hedge maze, but it's not it, the 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 animals in the book like go to come to life yep. in the book. Um, of course, in 1980, that would have looked stupid, mm-hmm. and it may have even still looked stupid even if they had like good effects or whatever, because hedge animals suddenly coming to life and all that. You know, maybe, maybe they could have. That, that's not the movie he wanted to shoot, right? Though. He didn't. He didn't want to make something with that kind of aesthetic. Like you could tell. Like yes, the ghosts come out, and you know, there's a an old guy getting a blowjob from a furry and all that stuff, <laughs> which is terrifying. But which yes, is more is. terrifying, I think, than a fucking hedge animal <laughs> right out of nowhere. Yeah. The hedge maze does need another portkey, I think, to really sell this scene. It does. I yeah. Think. Regardless, it's going to end up with Robert Pattinson. <laughs> but I do love how that shot. It looks beautiful going through all that at the end. Oh, yeah. Snow and oh, all yeah. that. The lighting in that is gorgeous. Well, that was the thing. That was one of the major complaints that Stephen King had with the the ending. Was he said. Because in the book, it ends with the big hotel fire. It, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Gets he said, you know, I ended my book with, with fire, and he ended his movie with cold, basically, mm-hmm. with Jack freezing to death. Right. And, you know, that that I like both of them. Uh, yeah. Yeah, same here. I right? like I like the movie 1,000% better. Right. Same here. Yeah. It's, the movie is better. Um, I think also this, this I, the scariest thing about The Shining to me is there there are two moments the one where he's in the bathroom with the guy um and it's that red and white like stark bathroom and the and first off the the guy saying just matter-of-factly he needs to correct yeah his his uh his wife and his son or whatever it's like it's like my wife once did something did something and i corrected her and uh but there's like the the idea that basically jack has been at the hotel as long as he can remember Mm -hmm. basically saying i've always interpreted to mean whatever has infected him has been there for as long as the the overlook has been Mm -hmm. in business or whatever the the soul or the demon or whatever you want to call it uh by the end of it there's a picture of you know all these people who are at a party in like 1921 or something like that and it's jack torrance is in the middle of that picture why is he in that 
form there. That ending shot is always confusing. Yeah, it's it it's all I've always thought that it's just it's just sort of a that's a manifestation not, of the spirit. That, yeah, I think so. Huh. I think so. That, I think that's what it's trying to say. I mean, of course, there's probably a million other interpretations oh, yeah, of sure. that. In fact, there there's a whole fucking movie we yes, talked sir. about before. Um, <laughs> but it didn't. I don't think it really goes into that very much. It goes more into the, like you know, one guy's got the the crackpot like Stanley Kubrick helped fake the moon landings, yep. and and another one says it's a it's a, a whole like damnation of uh, American, uh, you know, the European settlers coming over yep. and uh, destroying the Native American. Americans. And to do that, he uses like a ketchup bottle or like yeah, something it's of, like, like a it's tomatoes like some, or something yeah, in the back. Bo- it's like a can of like tomatoes or some <laughs> yeah, more peanuts. That has a Native something. American head on it. Right, like, right. Hey, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will say what's interesting though is they've like mapped this house out and everything. Like these pe- these weird conspiracy theorists about this movie, they've mapped this house out in such a way that's like, huh. That is kind of weird. Like the, you know, the Danny going through on his big wheel and, and he, he like ends up on the second floor somehow Mm -hmm. without going up any stairs or anything like that. And a lot of people are like, some people might think that's a mistake in the movie, but this is Stanley Kubrick we're talking about here, you know, and it's like, he doesn't do stuff like that on, you know, an accident or whatever. And it was pointing to other stuff, like where a chair disappears in the background Uh and all sort of stuff. And I'm like. He could still make a mistake, though. I don't know, man. <laughs> don't you miss Kubrick? I do. God. Yeah, he was a close personal friend. Yeah. Isn't there, is there anybody that is anywhere close to that level of detail and autonomy that he can just, or he or she can do whatever they want to, and you know it's going to be a masterpiece when it comes out? Because nope. he had he had some of the best cinematic runs. I mean, you talked about Barry Lyndon a little bit, but I mean, besides that he he was almost unimpeachable right yeah pretty much and even barry lyndon has yeah. scores of fans I, i've never been i've seen that two or three times mm-hmm. just have never been able to get to do it uh i i do believe though that if he were still alive we'd still be waiting for his next movie yeah probably so. uh, didn't it, exactly work fast yeah it <laughs> took him 12 years from full metal jacket to come out with eyes wide shut yep. and, I, and yeah he may have been working on ai but i think he was working on that for like 20 years or something like that uh, he was waiting, waiting for, for the like, technology yeah right? waiting for the technology which he may have gotten the technology but it, you know how he is like it would have gotten to like 2004 and he would have been like nope still not good enough <laughs> um so anyway we've got a difficult decision here alien versus the shining so who's the order you're first i'm first um i i i'm gonna go alien here Mm -hmm. um alien is as as tight as it gets it's uh it's just uh it's scary it's uh it's it's gripping all the way through the shining i i do love this movie but when wendy walks through her house the house of horrors Mm -hmm. and there's like skeletons and stuff like that that start popping out that's the one weak point in the shining for me that is where i'm like stanley kubrick is above this Mm -hmm. showing skeletons and stuff like that and and of course poor Shelley duvall in her reactions to all that she's reacting to this like scariest thing ever <laughs> and i'm like never getting uh, i'm never on board with her during that entire thing um so I, I i generally think alien's a little bit more of an exciting movie it's a it's a scarier movie i'm picking alien wow am i number two you're number two well 
these movies are trying to scare you in completely different ways. Mm-hmm. And th- I think they both greatly succeed. And like I said, these are my two favorite horror movies. I've never named a number one because I love them both so much. <laughs> so I'm going to make my decision on the fact that the the only thing that's really ever bothered me about The Shining is just how vague what's going on is. Mm-hmm. And I get that that's intentional. And I I I don't want everything spelled out for me in some cases. Mm-hmm. Like Blair Witch, where it's kind of up in the air, but that last five minutes is like, what the fuck? I'm kind of freaked out right now. Uh, but I don't really know what's going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't really know if, like you said, soul or demon or what, whatever it is. Is it possessing him? Is it awoken from within him? But I don't know. And the vagary there keeps the fear a little distant for me. Mm. I think I love this as a horror movie because I love it as a movie. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So the, the such gorgeous cinematography and the shots and the deliberateness of the pace uh, but i'm going alien i'm sorry to take your choice away from you that's and, okay uh, alien is just like you said it's flat out scarier it it there's no fat that needs to be trimmed and you know the shining is a nice long settle in for some freaky shit yeah Whereas aliens just like coming at you bitch here we go <laughs> yeah so that was the tagline yeah <laughs> yeah it was yeah. coming at you bitch they did march the, 22nd they did the, the the crazy people thing the dudley moore movie where the you know, where the they're do the ad execs or whatever and they're trying to come up with truth and advertising and the one movie called the freak they came up with the joke thing of it'll scare the fuck out of you. <laughs> and of course it ends up in the, in the newspaper because they're all their ads end up in like all the posters and everything. And like the, I'll never forget the, the guy going, now I want to know how in the fuck that the word fuck got in the New York fucking times. <laughs> they also say, they also dub Volvo boxy, but good. Yeah, boxy, but good. <laughs> and like come in the Bahamas instead of come to the Bahamas. Nice. Um, I haven't seen crazy people in forever. It's probably not nearly as funny as I remember it, but man, I did love that. But it was like funny because, you know, like. In the, there was like a, a big long line out to see the freak, like people reporting <laughs> on it, like like the reporters, like everybody's out here to see the freak because of the tagline that says it'll scare the f out of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, not that it matters, but I'm going with the shinning. Uh, Use your shinning, <laughs> grease me up, woman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, it's my third favorite Kubrick movie, and it's my favorite Kubrick movie of the time that we've been alive. Uh, I think it's start to finish one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen, and I, it's a mood piece. You're right. It's not like an explicit horror film in any sense of the word, really. Right. Um, but I like the, uh, even though it's a huge, expansive hotel they he finds a way to make it claustrophobic sure yeah you know because you're cut away from everything you're up on this hill they have that little uh suite uh that makes it just kind of uncomfortably close and then of course you've got the big you know here's johnny moment um i think this works on every single level for me um I guess it may be because of those those beautiful shots, like that helicopter shot, so smooth at the yeah. beginning coming mm-hmm. in. Oh yeah, the way that drive up the up the mountain just kind of sets the tone for the. Okay, here's what you're in for. Start dreading now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what I love about horror movies? 
the, my favorite part about horror movies is the setup. Like if you nail the setup and where everything's normal but not, that is my shit right yeah. there. <laughs> like, like you know, you start looking for things like that's probably going to go wrong. That's going to go wrong. But like people are acting kind of normally. And this is kind of an extended play of that. And an alien, the same way. I mean, you, you, you don't really know exactly where you're at. And then they establish the rules. And then, you know, you kind of just discover this as you go along. Uh, I think I just get more satisfaction out of the, the Shining. But, uh, yeah, great. I can't argue with Alien. Well, sorry, Shining. Yep. See ya. Yeah. Get on the bus. We just, we just fucking put that goddamn movie to the mat. <laughs> Fuck you, Shining. <laughs> Tag teamed it. Um, oh. Expecto Patronum. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah. <laughs> it is never fun knocking a movie to the mat that's as good as The Shining. I know. Uh, and all through this first round, there are movies that could easily have won this thing that just went in the wrong matchup. This is the only Kubrick movie in the bracket, I think. Yeah, because yeah, most well, of his movies were made before seventy. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like he made three movies while we were alive. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it was this and... Uh, this Full Metal Jacket I, yeah. and Nice White Shut. Those were the only three. Wow. Um, Should have uh, gotten some more work in, Stanley. There yeah. we go, Stanley. <laughs> no, come on. Way to, way to ruin our lives with your <laughs> lack of production. And your awesome art. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that'll take us to the 4 and 13 matchup, which is The Social Network. Ooh. Against American Beauty. Oh, mm -hmm. American Beauty is the high seed? Nope. It's the low seed. It's the low seed. It did seed. not win 1999. Matrix did. Motherfuck. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you have the social network, which is the four seed in this matchup. Uh, wow. And, uh, man, what a great movie this is, right? I mean, you can't. I mean, this is. I. How in the world do you make Facebook compelling to me? Yeah. The, the creation of Facebook compelling. Is there a good argument? I know there is an argument. Is there a good argument to be made that this is Fincher's best film? Yes. Sure. I mean, you'd have Seven up there. You'd have uh, Zodiac, Zodiac Fight up there. Fight Club would get some votes. Yeah. Um, this is my favorite of his, though, I think. Yeah. It's, it's a, I think it's somehow it makes this conflict of, you know, who really cre came up with Facebook and the events surrounding the creation of it. They make it really compelling like it's a thriller of some sort, even though it, it's not really a thriller. It's it's just it's a drama, but mm -hmm. it's got moment. It's it's filmed so darkly and with like, you know, when Justin Timberlake comes rolling in, it's kind of like he's the snake oil salesman yeah. in the whole thing. Um, Drop the duck. Yeah. Just yeah, Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and uh, Andrew Garfield is so good in this. Yep. He's, 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 he's my favorite part of this movie easily. Yeah. Uh, even though Jesse Eisenberg really turns in a star making performance, unfortunately it's what he does all the time now. Yeah. I think, I think he's, I mean, it seems like he's always trying to get this kind of nervous type mm -hmm. of character, um, on everything, but uh, Andrew Garfield, you know, in that scene where the, you know, the, you know, the fate, you know, drop the the and all that Garfield, you know, he's got that part where he's like, Sean owned, owned Mark after that yeah. meeting, you know, yeah. and all that type of stuff. And just the, the, the scene for me in that, that movie always like, I just got to stop everything is when he's found out that his shares have yeah. been, well, have been like, uh, what are they, what is it called? Um, he had all this worthless stock compared yeah, to what yeah, everybody yeah. else did. And he he thought because he was using Facebook's lawyers when he 
drafted his whole like you know his his shares and everything uh, he had this this amount and it mm-hmm. was never going to go down or whatever and then he finds out they're like worth almost nothing yeah and he comes in and you know marks on the computer with his headphones and he just throws that laptop <laughs> down but i just love this like you know going through that whole thing and everything and he's like you better lawyer up asshole yeah. <laughs> because i'm not going to come back just for some whatever percent it is i'm coming back for all of it yeah <laughs> he's the heart and soul of the movie really you can't root for mark right no. not the way this movie paints him and eduardo is really the protagonist mm-hmm. um but i think what makes this movie really sing is that it's the triple threat it's the sorkin script the fincher's direction and that goddamn score from trent yep, Reznor, yep. who had not prior to this shown any propensity for film score yeah um and the three of them have not teamed up on a movie since um and you could take any one of them any two of them and probably crank out a great movie but there's something about all three of them firing on all cylinders in this and then you like you said the great performances because eisenberg is really engaging in this movie. Yep. he's an engaging prick yeah uh, and the first scene of the movie shows you that with mm-hmm. him basically being completely condescending to that's rooney mara isn't it mm-hmm. yep yeah um Anyway, I fucking I want to watch this movie right now. I might watch it when I get home after this. Like, Every time. That's it's, the thing, right? You get you hear you hear social network, you may, immediately like your hand just starts reaching somewhere and you want <laughs> wh- 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 where is it? Can I pop it in like where I'm at right now? Can uh, I possibly do that? Yes. Because yeah, it's it is that type of movie. Like just just the intensity of all these different things that he's going, you know, like is yes, you have my attention, you have my bare minimum of attention <laughs> yeah. and all that. And like and and the fun little lines like hey if you want to stand on my, on other people's shoulders to feel tall and yeah. all that type of stuff i dig stuff like that it's so sorkin it's such sorkin stuff now that's the maybe the one knock on him is that everybody sounds like sorkin in a sorkin movie yeah uh, yeah but the best of sorkin when you get a few good men and when you get social network the best of it in those type of mouths are, are how it sings it doesn't sing in the newsroom mm-hmm. you know it doesn't sing necessarily in in some of the other things that he's done but it's sung on the west wing though for at least mm-hmm. the first yep. four seasons till they ran him off yep. um that was some good shit mm-hmm. the uh and 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 where fincher comes into this too is just by all the i i i love that scene where he's he's come up with that first thing before Facebook, that face match or whatever. Mm-hmm. The hell mash, it, yeah. yeah. Face mash. And, uh, and everybody around the campus is doing that hot or not basically. Yeah, basically. Um, uh, and all that. And, and he gets in, uh, and he gets in a lot of trouble for it, but the way like it shows how it spreads like a virus, this thing that he's invented, you know, all these people are just like suddenly addicted to it sort of, precludes what everybody is going to be addicted to later when he makes this Mm -hmm. amazing thing um i I love the i love how they show uh uh the what is the brother's name winklevoss the winklevoss Mm -hmm. the and of course the winklevi and all that stuff is funny um they show them like doing their like little boat race yeah. mm-hmm. and everything and it's just you know and and it's a it's another loss for the Winklevoss yeah. twins you the, know uh, <laughs> the movie does a great job of showing you yeah he probably fucked those guys over but they're also kind of 
kind of unlikable pricks. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, like I don't end up feeling very sorry for them, <laughs> even though, <laughs> at least according to the movie, he pretty much just stalled them until he made a better version of what they were going to do. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so you understand why they're mad, but that scene where they go into the dean's office, like petulant little babies, like they <laughs> yeah. actually think... They found some loophole in the Harvard ethics thing, and they're gonna. This is how they're gonna win back, or that something like that is something that anybody can use, and anybody's gonna care about. You know, there's an honor code here that says don't lie, and this guy lied. He should totally be expelled. Okay, I mean, and I say the movie shows, but in real life, it showed they 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 got millions upon millions of dollars from Mm -hmm. Facebook in the settlement. So. Um, yeah, it's weird because, like I've said before, they announced this movie and I laughed my balls off. I was like, oh, yeah, here we are. This is what, basically like when I saw the Emoji movie announced. Yeah. And then, you know, Fincher comes on and Sorkin comes on. I'm like, what are we, and then we see that first trailer with yeah. that high children's choir singing that song. <laughs> creep. Yeah, creep. singing Creep. And I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And then I watched it and I was like, holy fuck, how did they see this from the, from the, prospectus of this movie yeah right how did i mean unless sorkin had the whole script maybe you could kind of see the film come together by reading that script but st- i still don't think you could know until you actually put that thing together that was going to be any good and it was a home run mm-hmm. and all the bit players kind of i guess bit players like army hammer you could tell that like he's and i don't think he still really exploited all that potential no but he's really great because he plays you know there's the real asshole twin, and then there's the slightly less asshole yeah, twin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that like you know, hey, pump the brakes a little bit here. This he de- is the reality of he it. He definitely made them look like they were distinct personalities. Yeah, yeah. and everything. And which then is you hard had, to do exactly. And then you had Justin Timberlake, man. Yeah, my favorite Justin Timberlake performance. Which he then followed up with in time the next yeah. fucking year, which made me angry. <laughs> my favorite Justin Timberlake. Oh performance. my god, <laughs> he had a great cry. But the. Uh, him him as Sean Parker and haven't seen interviews with Sean Parker like <laughs> you could not pick a better performer for this this role it's it's perfect and when he's first introduced in that girl who's that girl do you remember I don't what? know if she's uh, anybody famous what uh, the the girl that he sleeps with. Oh, it's Dakota Johnson. It's Dakota Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It, I think it's somebody famous. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got that just kind of like uh, you know, you're that Sean Parker that invented Nasser. Yeah, I'm yeah. that Sean Parker that invented <laughs> yeah, Nasser. Yeah, yeah. And he's just he's just so confidently nonchalant about everything, which is I, I guess perfect for somebody as gifted and you know beautiful as Timberlake to pull off. It, every every casting choice, Rashida Jones, like all these yeah. casting choices are perfect. And that dialogue is perfect coming out of, of, of their uh, their face holes. So like it, it's it's awesome. What, it's great. And I, was it uh, what is it when Eduardo comes to L.A. and he says something like, I, I, I hear you're known for this and blah, blah, blah. He's telling asking, telling Sean that. Uh-huh. And Sean Parker is like, you know what I know you for? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> building up that like nice little rivalry, rivalry because especially after he throws the laptop and he threatens litigation and everything, he he also fakes to like about to punch Sean uh-huh. and and Eduardo's like. It's like really like you standing next to me, Sean. You always make me look so tough. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, social network dialogue is action. It's never, it's never is uh, more prevalent in, mm-hmm. uh, that that little axiom or whatever has never been more prevalent than in that movie because it drives it and it moves that movie just like boom, doom, mm-hmm. boom. By the end of it, you're out of breath. Yeah, uh, especially it, if you <laughs> go. On. Um, derailed my own joke there. 
It's going to be really immature anyway. Um, it goes up against American Beauty, 1999 mm-hmm. Best Picture. A great film. Yes. Um, this is this is such prime Kevin Spacey. Like, everything he does in this, you it doesn't really matter what kind of bad thing he does in this. You're like, yeah, man, yeah. go for it. Even though, <laughs> even though his shit is creepy in this movie, man. it is. But he's sort of, with maybe the exception of the daughter's friend that he almost sleeps with, he's sort of living out. It's almost like an adult home alone. He's living out every forty-year-old man who's grinding it out in a job's fantasy mm-hmm. right blackmails his boss doesn't have to work anymore buys the sports car he wanted starts smoking weed starts working out um he's basically just become a teenager in a grown-up's body and he's having the characters having so much fun mm-hmm. um, it's clear spacey is too but that's i think why you root for him even when he's being a shithead i mean I, you know i don't think you root for him to sleep with minas no. no. i don't think the movie wants you to but you are rooting for him at almost every level of this you yep. want him to get over on his wife you want to get you want him you know when he does that blackmail of his boss and everything you're like yeah man you hit oh. you go for it and the drive-through when he catches his wife in yeah. peter gallagher's car <laughs> yeah. you cheer for that moment yeah yeah, absolutely. he's kind of a dick. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I get these uh, blackmail boss walking out uh, with full salary scenes confused in the Fight same Club. Oh, yeah, Fight, Fight Club. Club. Yeah. It was a big a popular theme that year. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, what a, what a sort of... Tr- it, I love this because it seems like a pretty normal American family. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, this seems like for most people, they just kind of live through it and they just deal with it and they just kind of like, uh, all the problems. They just kind of like, I'm just going to not say anything about it. I'm not going to talk about it. We're going to, we're going to be, we're going to live happy. Damn it. We're not going to upset the apple cart or whatever it is. Uh, in this one, they refuse to all three of the characters in this, the Thor Birch character, uh, and at Banning's character, they all like, you know, they all basically say, you know what? I'm tired of being unhappy. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go after what I, what I want and the family be damned basically. And they may not be thinking it on, on this, on these terms, but you know, Annette Benning is like just tired of, tired of the same old, same old and tired of being second to the real estate king yeah. and all sort of type of stuff. You know how you beat the guy in front of you? You fuck him. You fuck him. <laughs> That's how you do it. Yeah. Which you is, fuck me, your majesty. By, yeah. By the way, that is one of the the craziest sex scenes you'll ever see in your life. Annette Benning's legs are like, you know, like, or whatever. They may have gotten like a model or something. Stunt legs. Stunt on the legs. Set. You know, to, to, you know, and, and I mean, it's just hammering away. It's like the, like it's like the you know it's like this isn't this isn't sex real sex but okay it's they must be enjoying it but like um you know kevin spacey he's tired of all this stuff too i like you know the the job i mean the, everybody's wanted to do that with uh, their boss man they yeah. wanted to get something on them and everything and they want to yeah, be able to quit their job get a sports car like all the stuff yeah. you just rattled down <laughs> and then thoral birch character she's tired of being just the good girl and the like you know like everybody saying that Wes Bentley is weird or whatever. I hey, I kind of like Wes Bentley. You know, she's they developed that relationship, and she's at the point where she's ready to just leave completely. Yeah, run off with him. Yeah, they're she's, actually actively planning to. Yeah. yeah, she's kind of the weakest character of this, though, isn't she? Maybe, but it's only because of how much everyone else reflects off of her. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like we don't get Mina Savari's attitude and self-centeredness if we don't have her playing off thor birch's kind of meek mm. quiet you know what i mean mm-hmm. 
And also in this movie, this has one of the biggest cases of misunderstood blowjob in any movie ever. Yep. Um, because of the placement of windows. Yep. A man is killed. Yeah. Let's yeah. just put that in perspective. Of yep. all the things you see in this movie, the only reason anybody dies it's because it looked like my son was blowing that guy. Well, this is how homophobic this character it's a, is. It's yeah. a little ham-handed, that scene. And is. He's it, all shirtless and leaning con- back. Consi- yeah, considering <laughs> considering that uh, Chris Cooper's character is already this way, we already know this about him, right. I, I feel like just, just the little interactions that he sees and is suspicious of, because there's the part where Kevin Spacey's like, call me, yeah, and yeah. all that. I, I wish it was more about those little things that he builds up in his mind rather than seeing something that he feels confirms it. Right. Um, and I feel like he doesn't need much mm-hmm. to get to that point. Yeah, it is a very ham-handed scene. Now, Sam Mendes, this was his directorial debut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an amazing directorial yeah. debut. Yeah. In fact, the Alan Ball script, I've always heard they haven't they didn't cut anything except the ending, which had a big trial at the end of Oh, it, yeah. Where like, you know, all the people who could have possibly killed him were on a trial. Oh, interesting. Which is a, they wisely cut out. That yeah. would have been so stupid. Yeah, it's like the Seinfeld finale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um and it would have made this movie like, you know, 20 to 30 minutes longer too um but uh it's a beautifully shot movie it's got the great thomas newman score mm-hmm. it's uh it's everything about it is is great uh it has to go up against the social network though it, i think uh i'm sorry no oh, i was just gonna make a reference to pay it forward so go ahead <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say this movie gave spacey the clout to do whatever he wanted and what he wanted to do was to have a burn scar <laughs> over half of his face yes to start with Haley Joe <laughs> yes yes and let's not forget k-pax oh uh, yeah, but, oh, yeah. Uh, k-pax is watchable at least i've never seen it pay it forward is just that's bad it's like somebody found a script and said give me 20 cc's of sugar stat. <laughs> Two of the biggest actors the from 1999. Yeah. <laughs> thing together. Now, I, what I was going to say, I, I always thought Wes Bentley kind of got short shrifted in this movie, like his accolades, because of that whole stupid bag scene. Yeah. But he's terrific in I yep. want to show my girlfriend your Nazi plate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That scene is what I'm thinking about is when Chris Cooper comes in and you can see it's just rage and then. Wes Bentley just or Ricky just kind of like cowering and being like, I'm sorry, sir. You know, I shouldn't have ever done you know, all this stuff. And then Chris Cooper finally, for the only time in this movie, I think, like humanizing himself, where mm-hmm. he's just like, he's like, you know, I really want you to just follow the right path, son. Well, you know? and it's that what you were referring to before, it's the suppressed homosexuality mm-hmm. that he that he has, that he doesn't want his son going down the same path. Mm-hmm. Poor Allison Janney character in this. Oh, oh man, my God. you want to talk about poor bastard moments? <laughs> yeah. Every time Allison Janney's on screen, she's oh my so God. defeated. Yes, so she's so defeated. She's almost evil. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, like if you if you didn't leave this at some point and take your kid, you're almost complicit in this. Yeah, <laughs> there there's a part where Wes Bentley and Thora Birch show up to the house, and she's just kind of like in a comatose state mm-hmm. in the table, and she says. Oh, I'm sorry about how the house looks. Mm-hmm. And like, of course, they they pan around the house. It's spotless. Yeah, it's just like, oh my god, I feel so bad for her. Yeah. Like, their life has just been destroyed by this Chris Cooper character who sits there and watches like these old military movies yeah. and everything, <laughs> and and like gets a good chuckle out of oh, them. And, and uh, but uh, 
but yeah, I feel the worst for her probably of anybody mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, but uh, so are we going to vote? We're going to vote on this. Let's do it. I think we should just not just skip this one. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I wish we could. Who goes fast, that chief? It's you. It's me. Mm-hmm. American Beauty versus Social Network. Yep. It's weird because these movies aren't very much alike, but they're very similar in my mind in terms of how they hit the culture when they came out. Mm-hmm. Um, they both succeed so well in setting a mood. Um, I don't know that either one of them has life-changing messages to send. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm not really seeing an importance here or there in either one of them. I'm going social network. Ah, I love American Beauty, and depending on how much time I had and the mood I'm in, I might even choose that over Social Network, which I I find to be a much darker movie, despite the body count being being much higher (laughs) in American Beauty. Um, And uh, yeah, I just think there's not a problem with it. Everything, everybody in the film, everybody on the crew, the actors, everybody just hit a home run. Mm -hmm. It was like a collective home run society made this movie. Yep. It's weird that... American Beauty won the Best Picture Oscar in a loaded year. Yeah. Um, and is somewhat derided because of that, um, which is not fair to it because it, it was really, really great. And yeah. you could make a very good argument that it was the best of 1999. And then The Social Network in 2010 lost to the fucking King's Speech. Yeah. <laughs> which is a travesty. Yes, it is. It was clearly Fuck the best. Fuck you, King's Speech. <laughs> Goddamn European, I mean Englanders, fucking king, <laughs> <laughs> fucking Brexit. I really don't like this matchup because I think when we unveiled the bracket, I was saying that American Beauty doesn't match up. It's not battle tested. It's not something that matches up well with anything um, because it's so in its own world. Um, and the social network has my vote because I think it's one of my favorite movies of the last like 15 years. Yeah. Um, you don't get a, a movie that's as rewatchable as that very often. It's up there with a few good men to me, which of course lost, but <laughs> it's up there uh, in the rewatchability. I guess that's the gift that Aaron Sorkin has is just making these things, these trivial things, compelling a little petty argument. I mean, it's about a, you know, a billion dollar company, but like this petty argument about how this thing started uh, is so freaking absorbing. And yet you have to, you just have to give it up to it. It it really is almost a perfect movie to me. Yep. Uh, Social Network will be uh, unanimous. Unanimity. I've probably seen American Beauty more. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's just because it's been out longer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Social Network I've seen several times uh, even since it's 2010 and everything I've seen it several times but um, yeah I think overall Social Network's uh, a little bit better of a movie you got a guy who uh, in Fincher who has been doing this for almost 20 years at this point Mm -hmm. Um, 18 if you want to just count straight from Alien 3 yeah Uh, uh, and and, you know he came out as a music video director man that's that's the impossible thing yeah uh, so he has a lot more seasoning on him there and, and, and Sam Mendes knocked it out of the park with American beauty. Uh, and he got everybody in the world to come in there. Thomas Newman, Conrad Hall, all mm-hmm. these great people. And, um, but there are just a, just a couple of moments in American beauty that you could do without. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and I, I think a better director would have said, or a, a guy who had had some seasoning under his belt might've said, 
you know what? I'm, I probably need to cut down on mm. this or that or whatever. Uh, so yeah, social network's gonna take it. Oh, all right, hooray right. for uh, Facebook! Hooray for Facebook! <laughs> I don't think my vote has counted once. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Your vote it, counted last time. It did. It, it it's it's counted uh like a couple of times, but it seems like most of the time it gets to me. It's like, well, <laughs> fuck you, fuck life. Well, um, um, <laughs> I bet you. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know how this next one's gonna shake out though. Okay. So the five seed, the Untouchables, uh-huh. versus the twelve seed, the Prestige. <laughs> what? <laughs> you heard me. Yeah, I didn't go to the wrong bracket this time. <laughs> um, oh, <laughs> two stellar movies. Is there anything else in the bracket we can put Untouchables up against so it'll win more easily? <laughs> um, um, Shinless List. Anyway. <laughs> Number five, Untouchables. It's the higher seed here. Hey, but 12s and fives, man. 12 and five. Happened today. Exactly. MTS fucking you. <laughs> Fuck you, Minnesota. You're all the modern. You're the, all the, the whole state. Fuck you. <laughs> no, no. Get, come back. Teams. Come back. I love you, Minnesota. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, the Untouchables. This is Brian De Palma's best movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's come out with a lot of doozies over the years. Scarface. Scarface. Um, <laughs> Chris just made the Scarface face. It was, it was the greatest. Oh, she could see it. Um, yeah, but he he's come out with a lot of he come out with a lot of great movies. A lot of movies that maybe don't hit that all time great status or whatever, mm. but like are just always watchable in some way. He's always like a sick bastard in these movies, <laughs> you know, body double yeah. and dressed to kill and all that. <laughs> Those are just there. He elevates B movies to like something exciting. This is not anything like that though. No, the untouchables there, the, the, the immediate thing that comes to me whenever I watch this and I've watched it many times, and I've said this before when we were doing this year, Brian De Palma is directing the fuck out of this movie. Yeah, he really is. Like every scene he's like, it looks like he's like, man, we're going to, we're, we're telling a goddamn story. Goddamn it. <laughs> like, you know, the, you know, every scene's got like cool camera movement and like everything in the background. It looks like huge and, you know, uh-huh. and, uh, and, and, uh, and a screenplay from David Mamet. Oh yeah. Um, and it's just, it's just good old cops and robbers type shit, man. This is Kevin Costner, Elliot Ness playing against Robert Nero, Al Capone. Yeah. It's almost populist, which he really hasn't done even with Scarface. I mean, it, that was almost a niche type of thing that he did. Uh, this is like almost popcorn entertainment, you know? It yes. Is. And uh, I don't know, man. It's one of the most memorable De Niro performances compared to the amount of screen time he's got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he's really not in this movie very much at all. In fact, yeah. you probably see Nitty and uh, some other Capone henchmen more than you see Capone. But when he's on camera, he makes the most of it so that his yeah. impact is felt right across every other scene. The, the opening scene of this movie if this doesn't grab you, then just turn the thing off. But it's that guy comes into the you know county store, general store, what have you, sets the briefcase down, ends up leaving, and the little girl's like, "Mister, you yeah. forgot your oh, kid." Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no. And uh, that is the Chicago we're in right now. Yes. That's, the, that's what the introduction. Oh god, I fucking love it's, this movie. It's crazy because I usually find very little reason to have extreme violence. Like it doesn't appeal to me. 
I get that it's it's fun to see how the effects work and everything. This movie has some of the greatest use of violence I think I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. It's very bloody. It's very visceral, but like I dig it. And it's I mean, it's not like visceral and like it's a realistic type of movie, which I guess it's is based on realism, but like I don't know. I, I I dig the violence in this. It's much like Logan. Like for some reason I think it's necessary. Yeah. Uh and there's so many just great just action pieces in this when they go to Canada or the mm. border or whatever, and there's that bridge scene, that scene from start to finish, try walking away from yeah. that doing anything. Yep. If you have to pee as hard as you've ever had to pee before, <laughs> try walking away from that scene. Same with the train station sequence. Train station sequence. You awesome. could have an hour and a half of flat out fucking boredom. It could be Elliot Ness reading reports in his desk, right? And if you give me that train sequence at mm-hmm. the end, this movie is still a masterpiece. Yeah. That it's almost operatic the way that scene comes together. All the moving pieces and the way that he uses slow-mo and then the way that Stone comes running in to catch that carriage yeah. and the guy, bad guy's like, I'm going to count to three, one. And Costa's <laughs> like, you got him? He's like, I got yeah. him. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and so there's the slow zoom and on Andy Garcia's face and everything. Yeah. And you're just like, you're, there's just something about it, man. You're like, oh, he does got him. Yeah. I know he's got him. <laughs> and uh, and but and then on top of that, De Palma gets to in a in a way. I I compare this scene a little bit to um, the scene I'm about to talk about. Sam Raimi in Spider Man Two when he gets to do his Sam Raimi stuff, mm-hmm. where like you know you know Doctor Octopus is on the the table and everything, and there's like all those like different like Raimi zooms and all this yeah. other type of stuff going on in it. It's like this is something right out of Evil Dead in one of a major studio tentpole films. Yep. In the Untouchables, it's the Sean Connery scene where he's at his house, and like the camera is just—it's a one take, yeah—and it's just going around showing him, showing us where he is. There's somebody outside. There's somebody tracking him down, and 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 this is a and this is something that you think is like, oh yeah, man, Sean Connery's badass. He's he he tracked. He knew that guy was there the whole time. And it wasn't the point. Yeah. At the whole like you're like, oh yeah, man, he told that he told that motherfucker he's out of the house now. And then yeah. there's a guy waiting for him to shoot him. We yeah. do get that great, you know, got a racist term in it, but just like a wop to bring a knife yeah. to a gunfight. Yeah. <laughs> Cut the racist part out of it in the modern parlance. Which is I mean, I don't know. It's something wonderful coming out of Sean Connery's uh, accent there. <laughs> just just something about it, the way he says it, it just it's it's great. Um, but yeah, this man, this movie, it's just, it's great all the way through. And and we haven't even talked about the Ennio Morricone score, right? Yeah. which is phenomenal. Uh, and I like, how in the fuck did this guy only win an Oscar when the hateful eight came out? Yeah. That's seriously uh, good like, stuff. That the score in the untouchables is amazing. And it's completely unlike anything he had done before then. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Or really after I, I love it when people, John Williams gets on a score it's going to have a memorable theme. It's going to have swooping strings. It's going to have a lot of horns. But you're going to probably be able to tell it's a John Williams score. Mm. Like people like Ennio Morricone or, or stuff like that, or even uh, Giacchino. Yeah. Or Giacchino um, they can switch it up. I love that. Although stuff. I will say, I've done this twice now in the last couple of weeks, I've called an obscure composer by hearing music on a different film that sounds like a film i recognize oh yeah so i was watching i forget what i was watching but i was like i think this guy's the guy that did the score to born born ultimatum 
Yeah. Um, and I looked it up and it was. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happened. Um, it was uh, Brokeback Mountain. Mm-hmm. I was watching 21 Grams with Benicio Del Toro mm-hmm. and Naomi Watts. And I'd never seen it. And it it's the same kind of it's a lot of guitar work hmm. and like just kind of mournful strumming and i was like this sounds a lot like brokeback mountain google yep that's the guy nice never heard of the guy but mm-hmm. hey did an awesome w- score was it was it gustavo santa yellow sounds that sounds because he's the close. guy who did the guitar in the insider oh interesting he did the spanish guitar in the insider he didn't do the composing in it and everything i don't rem- I, but i don't i think maybe he did that one um anyway um the untouchables is just otherworldly great it really is uh, it goes up against the prestige. Christopher Nolan's basically Jesus. his movie in between Batman's he made, and in my opinion, his best film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think if I agree with that. I certainly have seen this one more than any of his other films. Me too. Um, but I just love this so much. The the rival magicians, and you've got great uh, Hugh Jackman in one of his best performances yeah. before Logan. Yeah. Um. Uh. And Christian Bale, who's who's great in this too. And this is, um, I, it's just it goes to show how far an obsession can go. Mm-hmm. And uh. And it's and it's it's wonderful that way. Yeah. Um, how, it's like when Bowie says to him, "Have you considered the cost?" He's like, "Money's no object." He's yeah. Like, no. Have you considered the cost? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, and by the end of it, he's like, "If you want my advice, I tell you to destroy this machine." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, Andy Circus also has a little nice bit part in yeah. it. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, everything about this in and I'm not saying this in a in a punny way. There's there's magic to this as far as like how Nolan shoots it and and like how he tells the story that's kind of going back and forth it's a goddamn puzzle yeah it really is and it's and it and it's wanting to give you revelations when it's when it's you know darn well ready uh i one part of this i i did you guys pick up that bale uh was playing at, at least playing the other character yes in this before it was revealed that yes. was the only because i did that too I, that, that i the only problem though of... is that he's so made up it mm. draws attention to him mm-hmm. and i don't think he looks like bale i think they did a good enough job with the makeup on that character yeah but but they they did so much makeup work to that character. I'm suspicious immediately, and well, I just have the kind of brain that's going to go there pretty quick. And they're and they're good about not showing him very much, but that also sort of lets you reveal too, because once you start, this is an important character that they're not showing very much. It, it's sort of like now I've heard some people say, well, maybe that's the point that you're supposed to know or whatever. But that's such a wicked reveal. Yeah, it is. By the end of it, now. Even though I kind of knew it was him, I didn't think that was going on. Like the whole like big surprise that comes in. Right. I just thought Bale was playing the character. I didn't uh, think there was any brothers or oh, anything yeah, like. Yeah. I don't know if you guys picked. Thought I mean, that. I put I put I put two and two together because of the nature of the trick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because there was no explanation heretofore. You know, that just made the most sense. It, well, and Michael Caine like, is, is the moral center of this movie mm. and he consistently says he uses a double 
Yeah. That's the only way you can do it. Yeah. And so it sort of plants that in your ear. But what I like about this movie is that it has multiple reveals. Yeah. And if you are, you call one of them and are not surprised, that's all right. There's more coming. Yeah. What it is, is you ever play that hand trick where like you, you got a stick and like whoever, you oh, know, yeah. you stack the hands and whoever has like the the tiniest bit of the stick on the top of it, it wins. Mm-hmm. That's what this movie is. Yeah. Because yeah. you're like, oh, well, that's it. They're done. Oh, no, that one's, oh, there's another one. There's another one. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the 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 length that they go is, it, they're just crazy. Like, I think even if you're like, like me and you're like, you know, you're fooled by what happens, you don't realize that once he, you know, loses his thumb, that the other guy has to lose right. his thumb. Right. <laughs> and stuff like that. It's like, did they really go through all that? You don't, I mean, that doesn't go through your head. And even if you're like, I think even if you're like wise to it immediately, you're like, you don't even think about stuff like that. And it is, that is just, I mean, that is insane. And it go, and that's, that's the point, right? It's well, all, they're both obsessed. Yeah. Right. They're both obsessed with kind of the same thing, mm-hmm. um, but it destroys both of them to yeah. a certain extent. They, they just want the world's greatest trick. They do. Yeah. Yeah. And they both have it for a time. Yeah. But I wanted to make sure we went on record so the Syncast could say that this is Piper Parabo's best movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It certainly, I, I yeah. mean, I mean, well, aren't you sure? Are you sure Coyote Ugly is not in the conversation? <laughs> I will say almost everybody in this movie is a little too easily fooled by early century, early 20th century makeup and hair effects. Right? Yeah, because <laughs> everybody's got the beard. He, he doesn't get shot in his hand by Hugh Jackman at the bullet catch trick. If any anyone in that room is a little bit brighter about looking at it, like the makeup can't be that good. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then he gets up on stage to break the cage. Oh, my God. Now, the second time he gets on stage, it's like, you know, planned. Yeah. He's setting him up, but still. But it, this movie immediately wraps you up with Michael Caine at the beginning telling you how the all the different points of a trick and everything mm-hmm. and 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 it and it tells you right off the bat to look closer and all yeah. this other type of stuff and that ending scene when he's in the you know he's about to get hanged and he's like abracadabra and then yeah. like and then like it just cuts to him alive you know about to confront Hugh Jackman yeah. Yeah. That is Nolan at his very fucking best. It is. And uh, I just, I man, I love that so much. The Just him just showing up and like you're just sitting there going, whoa, that's a, that's a hell of a trick. Oh, he's his brother, isn't he? But like, uh, it, it's just the way that's done is so great. But man. I will say it does kind of yada yada a little bit over some pretty amazingly groundbreaking science <laughs> yeah yes it does yeah yeah like, um, uh, if, if if nikola tesla had this capability and this is the route that he went with i'm gonna sell that machine to a fucking magician yeah, yeah seriously not the u.s government <laughs> yeah so but uh you know just Stack the bodies. Oh, you in have a one somewhere. super soldier put him in my machine about a million times and now you have an army yeah I and I don't know how many, however many times I've seen this very the very end of this where it's you know it's Michael Caine going back over the trick and like the whole thing and it's showing all those images I think Nolan's really good about like sort of telling a story with these like sort of like dissolves as it goes through and everything yeah. like yeah it, he does that even in the Batman movies where people are just kind of talking. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it's showing you a montage without going to the you know the the heavy beats. It's gonna of a, be a montage. Exactly. It's more of a montage, but with you know telling the story more than anything. But like that ending scene, 
I don't know how many, I don't know if this happens to you guys, but like it gives me chills every single time where it ends with a, you still want to be fooled. And it yes. shows that last shot of uh, one of the many Hugh Jackman characters who have died yeah. get falling into that tank. Yeah. And he's just, you know, just like bug eyed and yeah. all that <laughs> other type of stuff. Fooled. And it's cuts to black yeah. immediately. And it goes into that Tom York song uh -huh. at the end. Oh man, this movie's great. Yeah. What the fuck are we going to do here? So, mm -hmm. The Untouchables versus The Prestige, who's the first uh, That's me. First act. Oh my Jesus. Um, I like me some Untouchables, man. Like uh the scenery, the pace that uh you actually just triggered in my my brain that uh that Sean Connery scene that's shot from the outside and mm -hmm. seeing the windows and and where he's going through. Uh it's so terrific, man. The characters. Think about how many characters he had to juggle to to get those told correctly and it's not a super long movie it doesn't no. seem like it's super nope. long. no it's a couple hours um i slightly 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 lean towards the prestige though um i just i i agree with you actually i think this is christopher nolan's best movie i think i would watch the dark knight more often than i would watch yep. this but i think it's his best movie so that's my pick wow um yeah, this is this 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 not a matchup that feels good. <laughs> That's true. Um, because I don't really know of anything other than maybe the ham-handed makeup on Christian Bale's character. Uh huh. Uh, that I could I could point to that in the Prestige or whatever, and and you know it introduces us to Rebecca Hall, who I really love mm -hmm. too. Uh, I love how this just how it weaves in and out of all these great stories people basically just reading diaries yeah uh and stuff like that uh i'm not going against the untouchables though <laughs> uh the untouchables is a masterpiece it's untouchable it is a movie that has just uh so many like everything about it is elevated to a, an insane degree and I, i'm not going against it nice Got the a prestige split vote. is one of the most meticulously executed movies i've ever seen mm -hmm. like i i imagine the planning stages while writing the script were complicated as fuck <laughs> just so much thought obviously went into everything before they put one frame to film it's his best movie mm -hmm. i kind of want to watch it right now mm -hmm. but the thing that the only thing that's really ever bothered me about that movie is the whole Christian Bale thing being the twin? Because that I, I was drawn the first viewing to to that what's his name Fallon. Yeah, um, but it's the Rebecca Hall thing that that really tips it off because she repeatedly asks yeah. him, "Do you love me?" And his response, she'll either say, "Oh, today it's true," or "Today it's not." Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if that's overt enough on the first time through to really tip it off but on repeat viewings it stands out like a sore thumb like you almost want me to know yeah um god what a fine line we draw untouchables wins ah. uh, it is the only flaw in the untouchables is that costner's one of the characters in there and i think he's as good as costner gets in this mm -hmm. movie but some people just think he's a bad actor or a non-entity as an actor and i think that's the only criticism you can levy at this movie yeah and it's not believable when you know like if you're sort of projecting kevin costner versus robert de niro right you know of course they only have the one scene together really yeah, yeah two yeah. i what guess scene, you count too. the courtroom right but like like you said he directs his ass off in this movie 
Um, they don't they don't shoot movies like this anymore. That overhead no. shot of Pacino getting his face shaved before we come down into the room. De Niro. Did I say Pacino? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! Pacino's been in a couple of De Palma movies, though. <laughs> yes, oh, yeah. I'm derailed now, but it's just shot, and there's so many amazing shots in this movie mm-hmm. that you just don't see the likes of them anymore. You look at something like The Fast and the Furious, and the, they're not even trying to do no. cool establishing shots like that. Yeah. Well, it, it, The Untouchables, the thing about that, it, there's an era of movies going on here in these late 80s, early 90s, where... They were just made for adults. Mm-hmm. You know, you could yeah. tell that they were made for adults to watch. And like now, even the even the adultiest movie that comes out like has to do something like, look at this. We want to have the kids involved with this, too. Yeah. You know, there's something I don't know. There's something like the, nobody wants to try anymore or something. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But those movies back in the late 80s and early 90s, you know, you had just a string of them. I don't know why I always think of the movie Hoffa. But oh. like, <laughs> it's one of the, it's tight like that. That yeah, was, yeah. that was Danny Dang DeVito yeah. directing. Yeah. And, and, and like, and, and it's, you know, you can tell it's just made for adults. It's not a great movie by any means, yeah. but just the way it goes about it, everything. It's like, oh yeah, this is an adult picture. Mm-hmm. That scene where Jim Carrey finds him and b- digs him up is funny. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. They don't. They sure don't make them like that anymore. They don't make them like that. No, no school like the old school. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, it's just hard to see the prestige go because mm-hmm. it feels like it deserved to be in another round or two. I know. I almost want to shake up this whole bracket and we can do it again. <laughs> yeah, shake it up like Yahtzee dice. Um, uh, Untouchables moving on. Untouchables is moving on, and uh, all right. So now that you takes thought we'd get through six. <laughs> <laughs> that takes us to the six and eleven seed, out of sight, the six seed mm-hmm. versus number eleven, Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. God, just mm-hmm. give it to Jurassic Park and let's do another one. I'm joking, by the way. <laughs> I was about to say I don't think it's that cut and dried. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. I mean, I'm the out of sight champion. I wasn't here when you guys picked that yeah. one. Very glad you picked it in my absence. No one's. I don't think anyone's going to argue for that movie more than me. But it, it, this feels like the easiest choice that I've seen in the bracket so far, uh, because I just don't think there's anything in Out of Sight that can stand up to the grandeur and the awe of what Jurassic Park is. Now, granted, the, I I am the guy who voted for Sideways over LA Confidential. Yeah, true. So maybe I should shut my ass when it comes to grandeur <laughs> and spectacle. And just talk about these movies. I I I don't know where this is going already. I don't know what I'm picking mm-hmm. yet. Um, Me neither. Uh, because these are uh, this is another one of those matchups where you've got you know the smaller movie over here and you have the big you know. I mean, it's the big, amazing spectacle that Jurassic Park is. They're completely different movies, and you would never have to make this choice in real life. No, thank <laughs> God. Um, Out of Sight is the higher seed here. It won its year. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, I would say, definitely Soderbergh's best movie. I think we can say that. What would what, what there, else would there, contend? There are others in there, like Oceans, that we love, like Ocean's Eleven and like The Informant. And in the limey yeah um and there there are movies in there that may like contend but out of sight's got 
all that just it's got the great elmore leonard like mm-hmm. template to this um it is soderbergh uh playing with like uh editing like he's like he's he's still experimenting even a yep. movie that's uh that still got that sort of pulp fictiony vibe or whatever like you know um it's i mean it, it may be clooney's best performance too it's one of them um but yeah i mean it's, there's so much technique in such in a movie that's just basically it's a robbery movie it's not, not really a i mean there's not much else to it other well than that. it's a love story it is but i'm just saying that it's i mean every movie's got a fucking love story in it yeah I cannot believe that I I believe this love story though. No, because <laughs> mm. not only is it you know, cop and robber falling in love with each other, like it's Jennifer Lopez and George Clooney at the time the two hottest people on the planet, arguably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for whatever reason, man, their chemistry just it it's sex it's on screen insane. It's just really fire. Yeah, like and and it's n- no more well articulated than that scene in the bar at the top mm-hmm. of the hotel where the jabronis come up one at a time and try and buy her a drink and fall all over themselves being idiots and then he just walks up and clicks his lighter uh buy a drink i'd love one yeah <laughs> i always i love that dude who comes up and he's like we just came in from new york the apple <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like when she recounts like because she's celeste and he's gary at first and they're faking these personas uh-huh. it's like what are you doing here and she re- regurgitates that guy's story that he predicted about her oh i'm mad because they don't want to hire me because i'm a girl (laughs) (laughs) you know this is we we've talked about uh kate hudson and almost famous where you know you thought she was just gonna explode after that the same thing with jennifer lopez nothing anywhere near that she did it was before she did explode but it wasn't due to her acting career it was her her pop recording career which we did not expect at all and her high profile love life like yeah puff daddy and ben affleck but after selena and this i mean it seemed like she was destined yep to be, uh, you know, someone we'd, we'd be seeing in movies and welcoming those movies. I mean, she, much like Kate Hudson, started doing all this stuff like The Wedding Planner and all this bullshit. Enough. Enough. Yeah, she did a lot of these, <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of these stupid thriller movies. Yep. I mean, it just, kind of, Halle Berry did that. Although Halle Berry was kind of, I think, has a little bit better career than I'm going to go out on a limb right now. The, the next Fast and Furious movie, not the one coming this year, The Fate of the Furious, the mm-hmm. one after that, Jennifer Lopez is going to be added to the Oh, cast. yeah. Yeah, she'll be all, like, ripped up and, like... That is exactly the kind of person <laughs> I would expect them to add Bank to the on it. Bank on it, for sure. I'll but, bank on it and spank on although, it. Although, yes. <laughs> although, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I actually, the only reason I made that joke is when he first said bank on it, I thought I heard him say spank on it. So it was in my brain. Of course, it had to come out of my brain. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, well, if they're going to get Charlize Theron, I, what are you doing, Charlize? Yeah. We, we got we to sit Slumming. down and talk. We got to sit down and talk for yeah. a second. No. We do, Charlize. Absolutely. Anyway, um, Out of Sight is just is a, is a great movie. Got a filled with fun dialogue and, uh, and the caper's fun too. Don Cheadle. Uh, this is maybe his best performance. It really is. He comes to life in this character in a way that I don't think he ever has. So I disagree with you on three things that you said. 
Wow, okay. keeping score. <laughs> Don Cheadle, I think, had a better performance in Hotel Rwanda. Okay. I think Fuck Traffic is Steven Soderbergh's best movie. You could have wow. said that earlier. That's like five notches down. You're so wrong, Barrett. And then Clooney's best performance, I think, is The Descendants. I think you could have two or three Clooney performances in the discussion, but this would be one of them. Okay. What I yeah. like about this Clooney How performance- How strongly do you feel about that? Real strong about it, or are you just pick, you just bringing us up to be an asshole? Well, I wouldn't bring it up if it weren't for the third thing that I disagree uh, with you on the Don Cheadle thing. I was just I was just making conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will not get in the way to separate you two. <laughs> I'm I'll just watch. The, okay, the fine. Reason- Hotel fucking Rwanda. <laughs> <laughs> the reason that it's I- one of his best maybe i should have just couched it that way <laughs> and just said it's one of his best and then we just go on uh, you know with our lives here no i'm just kidding the reason that i bring that up is that yes i agree that there there are you know better performances or better movies but everybody works super fucking well together ving rames except for maybe pulp fiction is just window dressing essentially in mission impossible movies in this he's the sidekick he's the b character he's this and that that kind of thing but he like brings a bit of a heft to the not physically well physically too but uh to this movie you you buy that they've been friends for decades Mm -hmm. right and that they are lifelong pals and what have you and yeah he's really good in this even though he is sort of window dressing um he does get that intimidating presence occasionally though because when they're like having their standoff at the fight and everything and uh you know white boy bob is is like spouting off he's like he puts his glasses down what you gonna do about it white boy (laughs) (laughs) you're like oh yeah he's a badass he's like he calls clooney calls uh cheetle snoop and white boy boffs (laughs) hey he's like we just don't we don't go with the whole snoop thing anymore he's like but you call this fool white boy bob (laughs) cheetle is almost like darth vader in this where it's like you know the he 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 tells he tells people this is how it's gonna go and then changes his mind as it yeah. goes along and everything. The scene with Steve Zahn where he's telling him, you know, basically like, you know, you thought it was going to go this way and now it's not. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. You know, is is exactly the type of point there. Steve Zahn's great in this, too. Uh, <laughs> Steve Zahn's like, uh, I think we're forgetting about how this is my whip. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If I see just laugh at him, you know if I say this is my car, this is my car. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh but yeah, man, this is it, this is just good all the way throughout. Um it does go against Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. God. Um now this is not by any means Spielberg's best. Mm-hmm. And no. that's used to show what kind of career he has. Yeah. Uh, that is that a movie like this is still like probably like I don't know maybe fifth sixth. On his, it's up in there, yeah, uh, somewhere around there. Um, but uh, this is something that sort of brought real like blockbuster magic back to the movies. Yeah, there wasn't really there was for a while there there was sort of a dearth of that kind of like really good like popcorn movie i feel like summer 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 pop- now i'm sure we can go back and find some summer pop popcorn action movies that were that were good or whatever they're not as memorable they're not nearly as memorable mm-hmm. as this this was you know i mean back in the day you could say this was jaws on land because it mm-hmm. was the t-rex was jaws sure. this time and the characters weren't as compelling as jaws 
I think I remember hearing uh, uh, Roger Ebert say this is you could put the whole plot of this movie on little. He was he was bagging on the like uh, the product placement or the 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 product tie in it had with like it was either McDonald's or Burger King or mm. something like that. Where he's like he's like he's like yep this is the type of movie that you could the whole plot you can put on the the side of a of a cup that you get at Burger King or whatever. Uh, still, I think that's still dismissing it. Yeah, no kidding, man. Um, because. Uh, grant is a great character i think sam neill uh is awesome and it's one of those type of things where you're like yeah he can believably take us through this park he's a dinosaur expert Mm -hmm. i love peak sam neill yeah absolutely and uh and richard attenborough is good in this too hammond is a is a somewhat terrifying character of like how business interests go above people's interests and Mm -hmm. stuff like that i mean yeah it's a tale as old as time (laughs) (laughs) well in the book hammond is just pure evil yeah there's no lovable granddaddy to him at all the movie i kind of enjoy that that more it's almost like he just never really stopped to think about the consequences like ian malcolm says to him yeah um and this is this is launches a a three or four year period where oddly jeff goldblum is like the highest grossing acting star (laughs) in the world because between this and its sequel and the independence day movie right in the middle uh no three four year period nobody had been in movies that made more money than him him and sam jackson uh, i think we're taking turns there for a while yeah it's kind of crazy like because goldblum was just sort of this weird actor that we had been seeing throughout the 80s and some a little bit of the 70s but uh, then suddenly he's like this, like action leading man. Yeah. Uh, especially by Lost World, where they basically just make him the main character and everything. He's so cool. You know, a mathematician being cool yeah. in this movie. It does make it. I can see where Ebert says that. It, that's extremely reductive, especially given the book, because the book is so great and so dense. Mm-hmm. You know, it really goes into you know chaos and then how. You know, evolution, life finds a way, as mm-hmm. he says, and uh, it it does reduce it. But I mean, any any movie that makes scientists cool, but it, but not outlandish, like they're not like punching the the dinosaur in the face or something like that. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> getting away. Jurassic World two. Are you paying attention? <laughs> yeah, oh, no, actually, yeah. yeah. But uh, no, in, in this movie, they're not superheroes. Like they figure out you know, on the fly, a way to do this and do that and that kind of thing. And it makes it grounds it in some sort of a reality in this uh, in this universe. And then, of course, the effects grounded into a reality, too, to where it looks like it's actual dinosaurs running around. Well, and that's, that's what I was hoping to get to eventually, because that's the main thing, right? <laughs> the effects is what we're here watching this movie for. It is still to this day. The best, I mean, it's some of the best effects we've ever seen yep. in a movie at all. Yep. They've gotten to the point now where it's just like, well, we'll just do a digital effect. It'll be it'll be fine or whatever. It didn't have the same sort of care that Stan Winston and his big crew of special effects people. I mean, there's like a number of like legendary special effects people on this, but Stan Winston doing the animatronics and then you have the digital sort of like blending in in a perfect harmony mm-hmm. where it's like, hey... This actually looks real. They look like they're in danger. It's not like some computer sprite yeah. on, the, on the screen. There's actually a term for that, where when you see an effects image that's too perfect, your brain processes it as fake. There's actually a name for that hmm. effect. Yeah, I don't... I don't know what it is, but I'll Google it and not tell these people <laughs> later. All right. 
<laughs> it's already in the comments like oh that's called you know yeah <laughs> that's called the romnanson st- syndrome <laughs> reverse gestalt yeah but uh another this is uh, another tremendously suspenseful film i mean spielberg does what he kind of does with jaws i mean except this time we're seeing the creatures a little bit more um the but it's it's excellent i mean the 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 water rippling mm-hmm. and uh which is you know has been now emulated a million times mm-hmm. and parodied and yeah. all that um is is it's just great just the just hearing the sound in the background and everything i love the scene where you i love the shot of showing the like t-rex's like little, little arm touching the fence and saying Ooh, yeah. not electrified anymore <laughs> and uh so many iconic shots in this yeah that we all remember right that the t-rex at the end with the banner falling down yeah. t-rex's eye outside the jeep uh the that first wide awe shot when sam neill sees the all the herds out yeah. at the water and hole or what have there's so many shots that are iconic. most movies are lucky to get one good iconic lasting image that stays with you this mm-hmm. movie has like six or seven of course it's spielberg but it's also a great movie yeah. what i like about this is that it doesn't suffer from the too many villains syndrome yep even though Ostensibly, the the velociraptors are the real villain in this, sure. mm-hmm. and those things are freaking terrifying, man. Because yeah. they're because no one's tamed them yet. Yeah, yeah. Them in the <laughs> with yeah. clicky things, right? <laughs> but I mean, they, they they're terrifying because they travel in packs and they're smart and they learn and they're communicating and that kind of thing. And you know, the T Rex is gonna, except for the last scene, he's gonna announce himself when when he's getting you know close by. With the velociraptors, they can sneak up on you and everything, and they're almost human size. So it's just kind of like it's that extra level of tension that if you had like a Jaws type of script where this is the big bad that's hunting you one way or another, I think it would have suffered from it. it these are just like supports, basically. These other dinosaurs. Well, yeah, and and the the sequel even shows us you know more dangers uh, but this first one does though with the yep. spitting dinosaur that kills newman mm-hmm. and then the, <laughs> the little the little compies yeah uh-huh well, the com- second well, one the, yeah the copies in the second one yeah but they were in the first book which is why i always get them confused yeah um, well the copies, they were, they're the ones that kill hammond in the book well that's the thing oh, in yeah. the books there were all sorts of cool shit that they couldn't do like the like the the dinosaur that blended in and yeah and, and, you know all, that was in lost world i yeah. believe uh and and they and then i think they had like like a real awesome pterodactyl scene in the lost world but like then they tried to do it in jurassic park 3 and it wasn't nearly as good they had an aviary i believe oh right in lost world the book oh okay i don't remember that well to know but uh, i remember that there wasn't any shitty gymnastics action <laughs> there was definitely not any gymnastics going on but in the book. we're now talking about the wrong well there Jurassic wasn't Park. yeah there wasn't even an adopted daughter in the lost world no they were some other kids yeah 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 they were yeah. kids in the second one was it even it wasn't even an adopted daughter it was they were just saying it was his daughter so it may have been his daughter i thought it was an adopted daughter I don't know. In the movie? Yeah, in the movie. Oh, they don't really ever say. They never say. And in the book, she's not related to him. And and the, But there are two kids there in the second. Right. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Jurassic Park, just everything that I think about is, you know, even the scene, you know, with Wayne Knight, the suspenseful, like, you don't think that little thing's going to kill him. Yeah. There's yeah. no way. <laughs> but then he and just. And yet you still know something's wrong here. Yeah, yeah. He becomes extremely terrifying. That's the thing about this movie is like. I think a lot of people 
uh, like me sort of romanticize the t-rex as the only thing that was like really dangerous as far as dinosaurs are concerned maybe i was the only one i don't know t-rex is the only thing i ever thought of as like the dangerous dinosaur and then the velociraptors mm -hmm. i never you know it hurt i mean who knows how much of it's true and how much of it they they made mm -hmm. up but that's terrifying yeah. all those things like the that they're able to think about this type of stuff they're problem solvers that's Clever like girl. yeah exactly yeah <laughs> um so yeah uh so we got two big movies here out mm -hmm. of sight versus jurassic park uh what's our what's our order your first year up okay um pressure's on i i i feel like technique wise out of sight is a better movie than jurassic park the editing in this especially that uh amazing you know jennifer lopez george clooney scene that we always talk about when it's going back and forth between them and the, that's the scene that i always think about and i think about don Cheadle, and i think about albert brooks and a lot of a lot of fun characters and everything i'm not going against jurassic park here though yeah it's hard to go against um, just realize sam jackson is in both of these movies he is. yeah barely at the end of out of sight <laughs> barely but a great one of the best cameos ever yeah yeah, yeah. um jurassic park was uh and and this is not factoring into my decision but uh i i started working movie theaters one week after this movie opened and i remember because i was an, an usher mainly when i first started i would this is the first crowd reaction movie that i ever dealt with because i would walk in and watch certain scenes while you're checking the theater quote yeah. unquote yeah. and uh and and the scene where the lawyer is in the outhouse yeah and the t-rex comes in and i think i think it's easy i think at this point and this could have been just my 16 year old mind um i didn't think he was going to get eaten and i don't think a lot of people thought he was going to get eaten because it's such a humorous situation yeah. that they set up He's in this outhouse. The outhouse blows down. He's like on a toilet in the middle of the woods. It's yeah. such an absurd looking thing. <laughs> and you're, everybody's kind of laughing. And then the T-Rex comes down and chomps him up. And it, it's so like, like, what? That actually happened? Um, there, it, you know, it's... It, it, it is the more popular movie it's the one that made the most money but i'm not picking it because of that mm -hmm. um it's just that it's just i i just think overall this is just my my jam over yeah. out of sight yeah i mean i'm going jurassic park um and I, and I don't really i really don't think anybody in this room loves out of sight more than i do mm -hmm. and it is firing on all cylinders it's yeah. technically proficient if it were a student in school it would get high marks and contend for valedictorian what it doesn't have and this may just be showing my age is just raw magic mm -hmm. right the magic that a big budget summer blockbuster can give you at least if it's in capable hands <laughs> and it doesn't starve in diesel um <laughs> i think jurassic park is a classic i think it will be a classic in 80 years much the way gone with the wind is a classic today uh i and i you know, I love you out of sight. You were never going to win this thing. You never had a shot. Yep. You were you were an outside chance anyway. But uh, sorry, Barrett, Jurassic Park is going to take it. That's fine. I would have a rough time. I am with you, Jeremy, and maybe with all of us in my love of Out of Sight. I think I think it's one of the most perfectly paced movies I've ever seen. Oh yeah, and I think the editing is a plus, like all the way around. 
and it has actually like a competitive score with Jurassic Park um, because it's it's great the Scores way that they they do that. But it's not da 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 da. And for that shot alone, almost I think I, I would uh, the music paired with that big wide shot of yeah. of the field, I, I would pick this. But I would have a rough time explaining how I would vote for Out of Sight over Jurassic Park. So yep. I got to pick that, too. It's a unanimous. I mean, we had the similar, uh, you know, decision when it was Amelie versus E.T. Yeah. Um, and, and this is what kept going through my head here <laughs> was like, I did pick Amelie over E.T., I do like Jurassic Park more than I like E.T., mm-hmm. and I may like Out of Sight a little bit less than I like Amelie. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a weird, like, you know, plate tectonic type yeah. of thing going on <laughs> there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we've we've just laid waste to a lot of good movies. No today. kidding, man. That's what this whole bracket is. It's just they, line them up and shoot them. Maybe they can just go down to, like, the NIT level, and they can battle each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have all the losers <laughs> bracket. Everybody loves the console bracket <laughs> a, que- a question to you barrett mm-hmm. uh were people oh well actually i no i guess were people upset that we stopped an hour into that last episode and did questions for another like 50 minutes or so no. because they weren't is that the one that we posted monday it was the last this i haven't past- seen anything like mm-hmm. that okay just i just ask. Oh no! no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. I was thinking. I was like, maybe, maybe they did because I've been editing this last one. I'm trying to well, yeah, tease out which is which. I, I'm the same way. I've got the one that comes out and the one we just did, yeah. and then the next one that we're doing <laughs> yeah. all thrown in. But I, I know it was this one because I was listening to it and I was like, okay, hour into this, we started getting into the questions, and I was like, it, you know, when we say we don't have time. Mm. to get to the other ones we're yeah. like spending 50 minutes on questions i wonder if people get upset at that so yeah, so far i don't think, I I don't think i've anything. seen any anything like that yeah it gives it a little bit of variety too yeah absolutely and I, that's that's the way that's the reason why we're doing it this way instead of going to the very end with bracket picks, yeah because yeah. we got to give something else into this mm-hmm. question question i got something to say I'm listening. All right, first question. What movie would you like to see done in one take, like Birdman or Victoria? I This uh, listener would personally love to see Die Hard because it all takes place in one night. Now, that'd be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what do you think? Anything action is immediately going to be extremely difficult to do. Now, mm-hmm. I would love to see a one take Die Hard, uh, but let's we're thinking we're thinking like if we could make this happen. Yeah. I would like to see a Fast and Furious movie done in one take. It's <laughs> crazy. Instead of the bullshit that constantly barrages the screen, I would really be able to dig these movies, by the way, if they would just take out 50% of the cuts mm-hmm. and the other different like little angles and all this bullshit that they keep doing. Can you imagine a movie like this where there's like chase scenes and like, all this like just ridiculous action done in one shot yeah i mean you could get it almost this is not my pick but like a mad max fury road in in one shot yeah 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 that would be kind of like that right if there's a caper that you start from beginning to end yeah that movie was almost impossible to film as it is yeah yeah Yeah, exactly so you're right i mean this would be on a smaller scale obviously yeah I, I mean, I, I would like to see, in, in a sense that you're saying that it would make things 
feel more real realistic it would make it that's the thing like for me i'm taken out of a movie instantly once they show something impossible but they go to five different angles of something like for instance him uh driving the car off the cliff in one of those Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> one, of one of them. Who, uh, who, I think who, it was Triple X. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> the one with Jaiman Hounsou in it is uh, one of them. I think it's six, but who knows? I don't want to. I don't want to speak out of turn here and get and get people upset. Those Fast yeah. and the Furious people. But you know, it's like the car like falling off the cliff, and it's like here's that angle, and then another angle, and then when it crashes, there's like five more crash shots and yeah. everything. It would. It's way more breathtaking to see it in one shot. Yeah. And of course, when we say one take, I do want to want to say this. We know it's not all in like one camera motion. Mm-hmm. Like they turn the camera on, the whole movie happens, and then they turn it off. <laughs> That'd be like something almost impossible. Uh, they would have to find ways to cut, like you know, get up on somebody's like jacket or something, something black or something like you know, uh, that they can make a seamless cut on after a. 10 minute take just what they did in birdman like they would focus up yeah and and, uh stuff like that so they would have to do it that way but i would love to see action just film that way in the fast and furious movie so fucking crazy one one take oh man i might like that awesome i might like that was rope one take or no it was was like it was shot that way it was uh, based on a play and this is why like usually uh when you when you say you want to do a one take movie you think i mean it's it's always something that's kind of like contained in one right. one room and birdman wasn't one room but it was i mean it was essentially it was the bar the theater, yeah, the yeah, theater the book, and yeah. like you know and um and uh but rope is is yeah it was all in one apartment and basically hitchcock shot that with i think it was 10 minute takes um and then every end of the 10 minutes he would like find a way to get on somebody's jacket or something like that where it would cover the entire screen with the same thing and then that way he could just go to the next thing start on that guy and then come back out and it looks like seamless when it's all edited together rope by the way really uh interesting movie i need to see that i don't think i've ever seen never seen rope it's a it's a have you have you seen it Mm mm-hmm um it's a it's a starts off with a uh, um two friends murdering their friend hmm. and then seeing if they can get away with having the body at a party that they have called over huh. weekend at bernie's basically <laughs> they 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 put him in a like a box basically and they see if if they can conduct an entire party with this body there and is anybody going to figure it out Ah. and uh, it's uh, uh, it's basically a big series of conversations and stuff like that and like jimmy stewart's in it he's the he's the you know he's their teacher that they apparently got this idea from like that murder is okay mm-hmm. uh the the whole time the party people are like you know where is this guy where is he you know it's like oh he's he's never like this and all that type of stuff and there there's like <laughs> you know there's one guy who's sweating it out and another guy who's just like just very cool about it the entire time so yeah. it's a very fun movie to watch so. i gotta check it out oh uh, your pick okay so again uh like you i think this would be incredibly hard to do um but i'm gonna go with one of the oceans movies oceans 11 oh yeah <laughs> uh because i think you could do a lot of fun stuff with the 11 different heist members right so you could have one as a dealer you know at bernie mac 
but somebody in the background, Casey Affleck, you follow him all the way across the casino just in time to see Brad Pitt come out with a box and hand it off. To, you know what I mean? Yeah, you yeah, could yeah. do a lot of stuff mm-hmm. to keep everybody, always somebody on frame that we care about. Um, so I just think that would be a fun way to watch a heist unwind. Yeah. Because I think it would I think it would add to the tension if it felt like it was all in real time in one take. Yeah. So. You can actually see elements of that in Ocean in, in Soderbergh's version. You can. Where when they're in the midst of the heist, you'll see Andy Garcia going past Clooney or right. somebody in the thing. And then you'll see Affleck and, and Scott Kahn in the background, that kind of thing. Yeah. In a way, that's kind of like how Slacker was done. Richard Linkletter, mm-hmm. his first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard, the the slacker is uh, it starts off with it, it's actually him, Linkletter, in the back of a taxi cab, and there's this you know, and how you know Linkletter movies that are really conversational are really conversational. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter what's going on, like Waking Life is like that too, mm-hmm. where it's like just a bunch of conversations. But um, you know, he's in the taxi, and then like as he gets out of the taxi, somebody walks in front of the front of the frame and then we're following those people yeah now, yeah and so on and so forth and so that's why yeah i do believe oceans 11 could work that way yeah it would be fun to do it that I think way it'd be cool to see yeah it'd be awesome you see all the different components come together for the whole heist yeah remember when they did that live episode of er yeah uh-huh. that's sort of what we're talking about here right mm-hmm. like if you practice enough you can almost pull off any kind of ballet mm-hmm. yeah, i don't think he could do a a fast and furious movie as they're currently scripted (laughs) but if you if you altered the script to be a little more confined and fit you know i i think if you were patient enough and practiced enough you could get there yeah and my pick is kind of in that that vein because it was based on a play 12 angry men yeah yeah, oh yeah um what the uh the movie didn't do it it did cut it up and it would have perspective from the um the outside, the window, and things like that. But it did spend a, a lot of time in this one room with these twelve men, trying to basically get done with this. It's it's you know it's a cut and dry case and everything. And there's one person that disagrees, and then you see how over the course of the the movie, where he ends up convincing everybody else except for one until the very end. Mm-hmm. And think about how cool that would be, kind of similar to your idea of like going from person to person, um, having somebody just kind of take a break off stage or something like that, and be able to really get into like the human element of this um, in in close up and everything. I think this one actually could practically work uh, pretty well in a one shot for sure. And I think that one shot would add to the anxiety of this this whole story that they're telling too because if i remember correctly the heat has something to do with it um in in the movie where like it's just everybody's sweating and it's just kind of just want to get out of there exactly it's just it's it's almost oppressive and then the more your brain gets activated the doubt creeps in and then you start changing hearts and minds this is a fantastic movie it's so good and it might also work in 360 Oh yeah! Like if you if you staged it like a play and and that everyone was always performing, Mm -hmm. stick a three sixty camera in the middle of that table and you let the viewer at home choose who they're looking at at what point. Yeah, where you could you might see the racist guy's reaction to something somebody says on the other side of the room that's noble. Anyway, you get a different experience. Yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, I love that pick. Good call. That would be fun. By the way, that ER episode, the the cool little touch they put in that was having a Cubs game on in the background. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was, <laughs> you know, was, and you could flip to yeah. WGN <laughs> and watch that game yep. that was going. It was so cool. Nice touch that they threw in there. They actually, I think they did it twice, East Coast and West yeah. Coast. And I think they had a couple mistakes in the West Coast one. Mm-hmm. But the East Coast one was like flawless. Mm-hmm. It's like, nice job, guys. Good job. Guys. After yeah. you do that first one, you get cocky. Yeah, you do. You, and, you get, and you have a couple drinks. Yeah, exactly. slipper. <laughs> What would be your dream character to kill you in a movie, and which character would you choose to investigate the murder and avenge your death? This is some dark shit. Fucked up question. I this love it. This is just dark. <laughs> yeah. Person who wrote this. Yeah. What do you draw? I bet you draw ghosts. Yeah. Freddy Krueger fingers. Draw, draws monsters in, in class. They, they're the they're typical horror movie cliche. Or where, it's Jonah Hill. He just draws dicks on everything. Yeah, yeah. He draws dicks. The, the, yeah, the, the, yeah, he's the horror movie cliche. Like the, every kid's in horror movies. Like the parents get concerned. Like she's acting weird. Here's some pictures she's been drawing. Oh, it's the same shit in the, every other horror movie. That's crazy. Something black and yeah. terrible. How in the fuck did she, was she able to do the exact same picture that was in that last horror movie that I <laughs> I have a quick and easy one for this. I would like to be killed by George Clooney's character in Burn After Reading. Yeah? Um, just as he kills Brad Pitt's character. Uh, because everybody in that movie seems to have the best intentions. <laughs> like, uh, either they're clueless or they're just like, oh no, this will definitely work out, you know? And uh, Brad Pitt's character ends up breaking into the the house and everything, and Clooney, almost completely by accident, blows his head off. Mm -hmm. Uh, Complete reactionary thing. So it'd be quick and just absurd, and I'm okay with going that way. (laughs) But it is a crime scene that he does flee, and he has the CIA clean up after him. So I would like Marge Gunderson from Fargo to investigate my nice oh margie keeping it all coen brothers in that universe and francis mcdormand's playing double duty in that universe she's the one getting uh, screwed by the clooney yeah (laughs) but i mean she is tenacious man she is gonna find clooney in both movies that's right and after she gets done having sex with them then she's going to investigate my murder and she is going to avenge me man because she's dogged that's right. That's right. You do know that police, are, it's not their job to avenge people who've been killed. Really? Just to find who did the killing and arrest them. But like, avenge? That's you've, like a whole other level. You've just blown my world, man. Because I thought that's what they were supposed to do. I'm just saying. <laughs> avenge me! <laughs> avenge me. I want V to kill me from V for Vendetta. Yeah. And I want him to do me like he, he did the morgue lady. Mm-hmm. In bed with the... Uh, painless yeah. poison, right? <laughs> Silent but deadly. I wake up. Oh, I'm going to die in a few minutes, but he's going to give me a chance to say sorry. Yep. And he's going to tell me sorry. It's never too late to say sorry. So yeah. I have an opportunity here to confess some things before I die. I'm going to be killed in a painless fashion by an iconic guy mm-hmm. wearing a guy fox mask. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm almost contributing to the revolution by dying at this guy's hands. Mm-hmm. And then for the investigator, I pick on a non-cop, uh-huh. Jake Gyllenhaal from Zodiac because he's fucking relentless yeah. and obsessed. Yeah. You want to talk about obsessed people, he loses everything yeah. a couple different times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if somebody's going to be investigating my death, I want it to be somebody who's going to take that shit personally mm. and uh, really like divorce their wife, You know, as long as they still haven't found my killer. like That's the kind of dedication I want. What happens when he... Is he going to find him? I don't know. 
Just because he didn't when find he Zodiac v. doesn't mean he won't find Mike. He got closer to Zodiac than anybody else who was a professional cop. That's true. I don't know. V's pretty, uh, he's a smart cookie. He's going to really have to do some some research to, to get to that dude. Well, and then what happens when he finds him? He's going to get sliced up, right? No, he's going to find a body in the rubble under parliament. Oh, okay. He's dead, but so he's gonna can be still, after November he can 5th. still He'll, find out who killed me. And he could get Mark Ruffalo to to, to <laughs> avenge you. Yeah, you get that? <laughs> not not his character. Not his character. Just Mark Ruffalo. The actor. <laughs> um okay. I want to be killed by Famka Jansen's character in, <laughs> in Goldeneye. Yes. Xenia on a top. Yes. A lot of vagina. Exactly. <laughs> they That's were, a great way even, to go. it was like a sort of a come, it was the comeback for James Bond. It was the longest period of time that they had ever gone between Bonds after the Timothy Dalton debacles and stuff <laughs> like that. Is she the one in the sauna fight scene, sex scene? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. She, she, she's the one who crushes men to death with yeah. her. Yeah, <laughs> that's why she's that's on the, the way top. to go. Yeah, that's the way to go right there. And she gets pleasure out of it. Yes, too. she like, does. Oh! Uh-huh. Yeah, that's prime <laughs> Fomka Jansen right there, baby. Oh, my God. Um, and uh, so, uh, yeah, if you're going to go, you might as well at least be close to orgasm if you're not like, you know, really <laughs> orgasm adjacent. <laughs> exactly whatever word we were trying to come up with before i like how chris just assumes i can't get an orgasm from finding out v killed me with poison yeah yeah, well i mean i got a good couple minutes i didn't i didn't want to infer that um all right and so i want uh we're going back to fincher territory here i'm gonna get morgan freeman as detective somerset oh Oh, yeah nice to uh you know he's he's seen some shit (laughs) yeah he has seen some shit man and uh, he's gonna be able to to do now now as far as the avenge concerns it's gonna have to be mills uh but he's probably in jail for life after the end of seven (laughs) he's still pissed though he's still pissed Somerset catches him, puts him in prison. Mills kills him. Mills in prison. kills him in prison. Yeah, exactly. Oh, before nice. making him his bitch. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And and every time he gives him a present, he says, "What's in the box?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know the then you have the the Phil Hartman thing in the, in uh, So I Married an Axe Murder <laughs> took turns pissing in, in the, the bitch's ocular, ocular cavities. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's the best. Moving on. <laughs> Oh, let's do one or two more. Can here. you cue me in my A? Yep. What actor or actress has let let you down over the years, but you believe he Andy or McDowell. she? Mm. Oh wait, I should wait. Wait a minute. <laughs> She's never been in a position to let me down. <laughs> I just tried to pick a random name. <laughs> Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> Corbett Burton. <laughs> He was going to be so great after Major League <laughs> and L.A. Law. And oh, that shit. Seinfeld cameo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. Okay. So which actor or actress has let you down? Um, no, Don't let play. me down. But you believe he or she can make a comeback. Uh, this listener's well, pick is Will Smith. Good one. Will Smith is a good one. I mean, that, that guy was as money as it gets mm-hmm. uh, at one point, And now, like, his choices are weird yeah and i don't know why i mean i you could say maybe age but he looks pretty much the same as he, he does. did i mean he doesn't look the same as he did in his fresh prince of bel-air days mm-hmm. or anything but i mean 
the guy looks pretty much the same so he's not he's either not getting the scripts or he actually has the power to get the scripts and he's not getting the right ones. I mean, you choose Suicide Squad and Collateral Beauty, but he turned down Django Unchained. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Well, ago. and I can I can see a, a good re- I mean, that's he had a good reason for that. But there was like, I mean, still, at the same time, what you're saying, mm-hmm. you know, you're an actor. Yeah. You know, you're not like endorsing anything by yeah. being in a movie. Um. I I'm gonna go with a really easy one here, uh, Robert De Niro. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> now I don't know if De Niro is in a in a place where he wants to, and he definitely doesn't need to. Yep. Um, and even I mean, and he's even been Oscar nominated recently with Silver Linings Playbook, even though I still don't agree with that. Really, I think he's still the same bullshit De Niro we're getting with a lot of other stuff he does. He just wasn't a higher profile movie and he got the nomination it's not like one of we're sitting there looking at de niro and silver linings playbook and that's on par with the work he did in taxi driver <laughs> <laughs> um but i would like to see him you know and i'm sure that the work he's done over the years he is just he's he's tired man he's, <laughs> he's done he's he, he he's gained and lost all that weight he, as jake lamata he's done yeah i mean he's 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 done that method thing for so long i think he's glad to finally be able to just kind of like you know what fuck it i just i just want to just be in a movie and just kind of say my lines and then move on you know he's not really but i'd like for just one more time and i know he's gonna get with scorsese again yeah um that's supposed to be happening soon it awesome. would be nice to see him finally go, you know what? This is going to be one of my last like big moments to be great. Uh, here's here. I'm going to do this. What's funny is maybe that Scorsese movie is going to be like a romantic comedy. Yeah. Or, you know, or analyze this three. Yeah. Bad grandpa too. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see De Niro great again. I don't feel like De Niro has been great since Jackie Brown. And that was 97, 20 years ago. Yeah. <sighs> He's great. Yeah. In the oh, was he in hotel Rwanda too, Barrett? <laughs> <laughs> I love when Costner confronts him in untouchables at the hotel and he's like you don't got the bookkeeper you got nothing yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah he's so great for so long and I, I think it's important to point out even the question asker su- submits will smith we're not mm-hmm. saying these people aren't stars anymore we're talking about the quality of their work and the quality of the films that they decided to make and my that's why my answer is bruce fucking willis oh yeah. nice one i can't pinpoint when he quit caring but that dude is over it yep. and all you have to do is watch good day to die hard to see an actor who is over it yeah. like i'm surprised he didn't walk in the middle of that movie that's yeah. how little fun he was having <laughs> and i i don't know what it takes because we've seen it's, it's way beyond just die hard he's been engaging in plenty of things pulp fiction he's great and nobody's fool he's had a lot of varied roles that i mean even that movie hostage mm-hmm. um he's engaging in that but he's just made so many forgettable forgettable movies yeah and when and and when the movies aren't forgettable he's kind of forgettable in them um and i just don't i don't know what's going through his mind anymore maybe the whole demi Moore breakup getting with ashton kutcher kind of (laughs) fucked him up because it would have fucked me up if my wife left me for ashton kutcher that's a that's one of those all-time it didn't fuck him up uh on the surface because they were all friends on the surface you're right i'm telling you deep down he wants to kill ashton kutcher he wants to (laughs) he wants to shiv that guy (laughs) 
<laughs> well, not just kill him shiv him. Yeah, shiv him. that's right um you might be right there you might be he, it could be just the fact too that he's the scripts he's getting are, are so awful and he knows he's got to still make money sure but that doesn't excuse it i mean he should still be able to like you know do something better than he's doing these expendables movies where he's obviously slumming it yeah and he's slumming it so bad that he gets not kicked, even in it gets kicked off of expendables three <laughs> um but yeah it's a good one i think he i think he's somebody that i'd like to see come back and be like awesome again there's talent there i yeah. just wanted to come back out i don't begrudge anybody getting to the christopher walken phase of their acting career where they're just like fuck it give me a check i'll do it yeah uh, but I, I do wish some some more of them would break through that. I'm going to choose somebody that's still in his prime. I was thinking about taking Pacino. That's really pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to choose Owen Wilson. Oh. Because I, I think we were having, Chris and I were having this discussion pretty recently. I think there's more there that he hasn't really let out. Um, after Midnight in Paris, mm-hmm. which showed maybe his his greatest potential um as not just a straight comedic performance but like you know nuanced and things like that um we were talking about how he wrote rushmore too or co-wrote rushmore yep uh i think there's more talent and thought there since since midnight in paris he's done stuff like night of the museum three zoolander two cars three coming up mm-hmm. you know i did the the car sequel and everything he's doing shanghai dawn and it's like doing another one of those yeah, man. god damn it but couldn't you see him being you were mentioning chris you mentioned like a, a movie where he played against type where it was like a a serial killer the minus man yeah the minus man yeah and i think if he tapped into something that was just out of his wheelhouse you can tell there's a lot of smarts there. Remember when Dane Cook was in Mr. Brooks? Yep. I, I do remember Owen that. Wilson could do that kind of role. Absolutely. Where it's somebody you expect to be funny, but they end up being creepy and a little bit scary. Yeah. Uh, I think I always felt like he had more talent than he gave the effort on, and he just got by on charm. Mm-hmm. Well, and since the Royal Tannenbaums, I don't believe he has a writing credit. Like, he, yeah. he, was, he and Wes Anderson were like, you know... Uh, that they were like writing partners mm-hmm. or whatever, and either Owen Wilson, you know, it's, who knows what why people don't do what they do anymore. But I feel like that, you know, that would be a, a awesome thing too if he could get back into the writing and like do something like Bottle Rocket yeah, or whatever yeah. like that. That that uh, that his, his that that character in, in Bottle awesome. Rocket is yeah. awesome. So and, yeah, because he's he's invested when he's in these things. You can tell with the Woody Allen thing, like he's just invested, mm-hmm. um, and you know his own stuff, obviously too. But he's not invested in Cars Three or Zoolander Two, or Marley shit like and that. Me, Marley mm-hmm. and Me, freaking uh, the uh, our the, buddy Dave lives with us. What was the Kate Hudson and Matt Dillon oh, thing? God. That you, me, and Dupree. You, me, and Dupree. Yeah, that's what I was talking. Me, our buddy Dave lives with us. Yeah. That's what I meant. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dave Dupree. <laughs> <laughs> Another fantastic Kate Hudson movie. There you go. Oh, in yeah. that decade. Do not yeah. miss. Yeah. Do Good not stuff. miss. All right. You want to do one more quick one? All right. We got a quick one. Uh, hold on. Hold on. I, sorry. I lost it. Here it is. Want to uh, do a quick one? I can't find it. I've discovered the cure for the plague of the 20th century and I've lost it. <laughs> <laughs> is that from Medicine Man? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, 
shit. <laughs> Most random Connery quote ever. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Who is one of your favorite B-movie actors or actresses that you wish had broken into the mainstream? Jeremy? I always like me some Richard Greco from Greco from 21 Jump Street. Yeah. Hmm. Hit that show. Now, my my recollection is this. Now, I watched every ep- every episode of 21 Jump Street when it aired originally. Like really? I was in middle school and high school when this show was airing. Perfect fantasy for a kid my age. What if some of my fa- fellow students are cops <laughs> busting all the drugs? Um, <laughs> so Johnny Depp gets pretty famous after a couple seasons of this show and moves on to films. And that's when they brought in Richard Greco to be the new crybaby heartthrob mm-hmm. character. And the show was always kind of bringing in new characters here and there. Um, and, you know, he went on to I don't know if he's made a single movie that I could respect. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but my memory of him on that show was that he was every bit as good on that show as Johnny Depp was. Mm-hmm. Now, Johnny Depp on that show wasn't showing us the depth of his full talent yeah. and maybe Greco was yeah. and that as far as he goes. I don't know. But there are a lot of people from that show, like Peter DeLuise, Dom DeLuise's mm-hmm. son. Always thought he was really charming on that show and funny as the comic relief. Um, but Richard Gre- Richard Greco Greco. I, I, I think it's Greco as well. Richard Greco, mm-hmm. um, who I just remember on all these B covers in the video store back when video stores yes. were Yes. <laughs> I remember... They played the shit out of that trailer for If Looks Could Kill. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was it was him in the you know, prime of his teeny bopper era. And uh, they get to the end of it, and he's, like, looking over his sunglasses. He's like, hey, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Grieco in If Looks Could Kill. <laughs> for me, I think even though he was in Hail Caesar and Highlander, I think Christopher Lambert <laughs> qualifies. Mm, mm. Christopher I Lambert. don't know. You know what? It's an interesting. It's an interesting pick. Um, I think Lambert was probably held back by his accent yep. more than anybody. His Frenchiness, but yeah. I, he made it work when he wasn't. I, I think about Mortal Kombat. Yep. I thought he was awesome in Mortal Kombat. He was. Now, again, thinnest kid at Fat Camp, but right. he was he's he's got this intensity to him. Uh part of it which is his delivery, you mm-hmm. know. There can be only one, yeah. you know. Uh even though of course he's hilariously non-Scottish even though he tries yep, in that I movie. know. Uh but uh you know, he was in like The Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance mm-hmm. and he's been in all this at least his stuff he's done in the States. I know I'm sure he's done a lot of great French or Belgium things. And I'm sure one of our commenters will tell us it's wonderful French filmography. But <laughs> uh, in the States, he has been in shitty stuff. Oh, he and... was wonderful in La Poule Paille. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who but could I, forget? I dig his the cut of his jib, man. Like I, I dig the the his delivery. I think it's no, cool. that's a good one because he he was a a, a really like notable B movie actor mm-hmm. for a real. I mean, you know, Highlander is as B movie as it gets. Well, man. and then two, three, four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. And after that, um, and uh, and 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 yeah, there's there's definitely some talent there that, mm-hmm. but that is just getting like destroyed by that accent and I, it, it's not his fault i don't poor bastard but you know i yeah i agree yeah, he let's all been, feel sorry for him yeah he got to marry diane lane what yeah, a fucker yeah um i'm gonna say nathan fillion ah interesting um, you're right nathan fillion uh of course 
known mostly for Firefly. You know, I mean, and I guess to to a lot of people, unfortunately, Castle. Yeah. Uh, but the guy's good looking, mm-hmm. and he's funny. He's funny as hell. He's funny as shit, man. And like the in the you know the the what is it the the sing along blog, Doctor Horrible sing along oh, yeah. blog. <laughs> oh, he's so funny yeah. in that. He's great in that uh, waitress movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. But he's never just broken out. He's like Bruce Campbell in a way, mm. um, which is the obvious answer to this. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it, he's like that because he's got that same kind of resume. He's in some beloved shit, but he never has translated as a big star. Let me tell you this. This might make you happy. Yeah. It's pretty, a pretty strong rumor I've read in a couple different places that uh he's lining up to play cable in deadpool 2 really oh now they had that deadpool teaser in front of logan mm-hmm. and there are firefly posters all over oh that yeah thing. that's right now Mon- uh, marina bakarin who was in deadpool was on firefly and it mm. may just be a nod to her but there are so fucking me- there's like well, over a dozen of them and, in that thing. and they also have like right after that the whoever summers was here written on the phone booth oh yeah which I mean, if, yeah. if if they're telling you via background stuff, then yeah, that, I was wondering that too about the Firefly posters in the background because I was like, they're telling us something here, but mm-hmm. what? Yeah, if you were just gonna nod to your actress who was on that show, you'd put up one. Yeah, but yeah. there's a dozen or more of them in this thing. They're definitely well, saying something. Well, that gets something. me excited. Yeah, because that would be a really high profile role mm-hmm. um, that I th- I think he would kill. Uh, especially, you imagine his humor going up against the deadpool wit yeah like i think it would be good what's so weird is that like you think of like we've watched him for so many years that like you realize how much talent he's got but if you think about it he hasn't been in those big marquee uh really movies you know no he should to waste he's a he's not somebody he's not a household name i could go out and say hey nathan fillion right am Mm -hmm. i right nathan fillion (laughs) and they would be like huh who's that yeah uh well let me tell uh he's on that show castle is where i would finally get people to be like oh yeah aka murder he wrote (laughs) (laughs) okay well that's gonna do it for this syncast please keep going to soundcloud and giving us your thoughts yeah i want to challenge you people oh lord let's make this episode right here the highest downloaded episode and the most commented episode in the syncast history what do we get out of it if we do uh, what do we get out of it? I'm I'm speaking in the voice of the listener. What's in uh, it for me? Uh, Not once have I asked what's in it for me. So when you say <laughs> it, what's in it for me? You get the pleasure of being a part of that comment orgy uh, that we're that we're fitting to have. Comment orgy. Yeah, you, yeah. You, it's just the excitement of of dealing with other human beings on yep. the internet. Yeah, that is uh, that is usually a nightmare for me. <laughs> Uh, dealing with human beings on the internet <laughs> but for these people it might be delightful I know, everybody's nice and and uh and bright and uh i'm sure very attractive too so, absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah. bring it bring it this week all right guys that's gonna do it chris atkins and jeremy scott and barrett share we'll see you next time thanks for listening comment on our episodes on our soundcloud page check us out on youtube twitter facebook and reddit and be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Okay, so that takes us to the 4 and 13. Ooh. 
The number four is Empire Strikes Back. Oh, oh, you're in the you're in the wrong one. Fuck me. Do I always go down this goddamn region? I do. Uh oh. No. Uh oh. I fucking hate the way this thing goes down. Like I'll go down and it's like, oh, well, that's where I need to be. Yeah. And it's like, nope. Sounds like you're talking about a sex robot. I am. I fucking hate the way this thing goes down. I was trying I was trying not to have everybody know about my sex robot. <laughs> and then you went and said that shit. It's right behind you. Yeah, it's right behind you. What? I keep him in the Saving Private Ryan safe. What? Or as the porn title was, Shaving Ryan's Privates. Yeah, one of the best ever. <laughs> um, 68 and 6.4 on IMDb. Yeah, so it's getting like, what, B's and C's? But I heard nothing but how amazing this movie was before it even came up. Like, <laughs> yes, they were saying, oh, Emma Watson... Uh, completely transcends the character and all this other bullshit and like i've heard nothing i feel like i'm in the twilight zone <laughs> because all i've heard about that movie for three months is how great the movie is and now suddenly you come in here and wreck my world <laughs> nobody's saying like bad things about it they're just saying like the one guy the npr guy said it was exhausting oh really because <laughs> it was like you know it's animated they keep it light and, and airy, and when you do a live action thing, there's actual weight to the characters mm -hmm. now. He said the BR guest thing was visually spectacular, but like really tiring to watch because it was like all these things that actually had like dimensionality to them. Yeah, wow. And which is I could see that. Yeah. I could totally see that. Yeah, it's a piece of poop. I don't care. I hate it. I hate it. I hate its ass a face. I thought yeah, I hate it, you and I hate your ass face. It's bastard people. <laughs> oh my god, that movie's such fucking garbage. I man. can't wait. I can't wait to not watch it until we send it. Oh my god, it's, it's pretty and bad. It, I think it gets worse the more I think about yeah. it. It was. I mean, it's it. I demand goddamn answers on this. Is it at least John C. Riley fun? Yes. Yeah, he's, yes. he's easily he's the, the best, best thing about it. All right, good. If they had gone to the island and it was just John C. Riley hmm? and it was and and you know like that's what they found, that like, would be we're expecting <laughs> to find monsters, but they found that would be amazing. It would and be he actually thinks there's monsters, yeah. But there's he's like a paranoid schizophrenic on this island, right? And they're running away from monsters. And he that just don't exist. Like, Dude, you gotta watch out for Kong, though. You gotta watch out for Kong. <laughs> it's all this paranoid thrill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys remember House a lot better than I do. I love House. Well. I, you know, it's funny. I watched the entire series of House. Mm -hmm. Every, and then when they play those uh, marathons and it's the only thing on, and I'll put, I'll, I'll turn it on. I'll be like, well, I know I've seen this episode, but I don't remember it at all. <laughs> I don't remember how they got to the solution. <laughs> I don't know what ends up happening. Um, I, I just remember, you remember the one with Michelle Trachtenberg? Yeah. Where uh, it was some, there was a tick that crawled into her vagina. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. <laughs> they had to, like, they went into an elevator to extract Because they looked, because they looked everywhere for it, remember? <laughs> yeah. They looked everywhere for it. They went in their her hair, and they went in the armpits, and they went all these different places. And then, I think they even, they even inspected down there, but they didn't go inside. Yeah. Jesus. And then by the end of it, they're like, wait a minute, it's got to be a fucking tick. Casting yeah. call, guest role, vagina tick girl. Right. <laughs> it was funny because they had to like, it, you know, the clock was ticking and everything. 
and they had to wheel her into an elevator and they like they finally find it but like when the oh. elevator doors open her dad is standing yeah, 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 yeah. there <laughs> he's like, he's the- like what was she in? was that a uh, euro trip was euro trip yeah yeah and uh ice skating movie oh yeah 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 ice princess or something i think that it was ice princess don't look at me like I'm stupid. I, no, I just don't. You're going to do that. research on this later, and you're going to be like, "He was totally right about that Ice Princess thing." <laughs> and it uh, it, it actually didn't involve any tits. I think I remember that movie doing pretty okay too. <laughs> yes, the movie is called Ice Princess. Yay! Boom shakalaka. Yeah. Sorry. Well, the movie NBA came out for you. The movie came out in 2005, and then she still. Ended up on a 2006 episode of House with a tick with in a tick vagina. in her vagina. Nice. Hey, she man. got that tick while filming Ice Prince. Pretty much. It's a famous ice tick. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> hockey players and ice skaters all over the world are well aware of this. They get it. It's like tennis elbow. For hockey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See what all the Canadian doctors know what it is. Oh, I know what you got there. You know, it's it's a classic <laughs> yeah. ice tick. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, we'll just put you in the surgery room real quick, and you'll be you'll be up and at them in three hours. You betcha. You'll just have to remind me. Make your hand remind me. <laughs> Hello, hand. I was telling Chris the reason that I do that is when I was on the the train in Chicago, you'd be holding on, and you'd be like, "Oh, well, that's, that's oh yeah, to do. I have a kid." <laughs> <laughs> Provide food and water. Yeah. Feed small child. It's like uh, that old far side where the guy he is woken up and like on the wall is written first socks, then shoes. <laughs> back when I still cut thought all that out. Back when I still thought I could be a stand-up comedian, uh, which was a while ago. I had this whole bit about uh, search engine optimization and porn ah. because some of the porn titles are so obviously like English is the second language. Yes. Yep. And so the SEO <laughs> intentions come through and then you get some weird like there was one that I, I actually did research. I got like 26 screenshots and I called my wife in and made her look at all of them because <laughs> I wanted her to understand what I was doing because I was collecting to maybe make a video about this. Mm-hmm. But like one of them was like um, oh, it was like some synonym for in front of um and it was like girl kneels pre-man or something like that. It was like some other weird wonky word in there that made the whole thing. So anyway, I think there's a bit in there somewhere, but I give that to the world of comics because I'm not going to pre-man. Be. It, was, it wasn't pre. It was it's going to be a some synonym for before, like ahead of girl kneels ahead of man to suck him off or something like that. Girl, girl is antecedent to man. <laughs> <laughs> Girl precedes man on floor. 